sweep a nigga, you know me. When you holler, when you speak, remember you know me. You save all the hating and the popping, nigga, you know me. When telling niggas you my partner, nigga, you know me. Don't be a goofy, keep it moving, nigga, you know me. Hey, I ain't tripping, but the truth is really, you know me. Yeah, you know they call me T.I., but you know me. You be hating and I see why, cause you know me. I think it's time I made a song for niggas who know me. I graduated at the streets, I'm a real OG. I've been trapping, shooting pistols since I stood both feet. So all you niggas acting bad, you gon' have to show me. You gon' make me bring the Chevy to a real slow creep. My niggas hanging at the window, mouth full of gold teeth. When the guns start popping, wonder when it's gon' cease. Chopper hit you in the side and create a slow leap. We can end the speculation, cause today we gon' see what's the future of a pussy nigga hating on me. Hey everybody, welcome to Deathmatch News Radio. This is episode number 36. We are recording this on Thursday, April 25th. As always, I am joined by Mike. Mike, if you want to let people know what's going on. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm Mike, obviously, as Steven said. Uh, you can always uh, catch me at the Deathmatch Cult page. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about our, our Hall of Fame uh, this episode a little bit. Uh, every year we do a Deathmatch Hall of Death, so we've got some new people going in. So that'll be something that's going on. Um, you know, Obviously, always check us out in the Wrestling Cult Network. Uh, we've always got... Uh, you know, this show and other great content. You know, I just did an interview with Gary Wolf. We did like an IWS theme. Uh, I've got some interviews coming out with the Green Phantom, Sexy Eddie, Hardcore Ninja. Uh, we also interviewed the very first transgender deathmatch uh, and one of the first transgender female competitors in professional wrestling, Maria Morano. So it's a very interesting interview coming up. So you can check out those things all. will be uh, coming soon to the Wrestling Cult Podcast Network. Awesome. Uh, and then, as always, I want to point out that this is a listener-supported podcast. Uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash deathmatchnews. And you, uh, if you feel that we're providing value for you, if you had this on on your headphones while you were mowing the lawn or while uh, you were trying to drown out a beautiful woman trying to get you to come to bed while you were trying to watch some classic CZW stuff then definitely feel free to drop on by patreon.com slash deathmatchnews and provide us some value back. We put all of this money back into all of the shows that we talk about on this uh, show here. So um, I want to give give big shout-outs to the usual cast characters, Bucky Hines, of course, Chad Cooper, Christian, Christopher Kane, Dan Morris, Don... Dominic Waring, Dominic Winzen, who I believe he is a new donor. Uh, we have Doomtown, James Gruesome, Jay Howell, JL the Jobber, who was just in Vegas watching uh, some of the No Ring death matches they had going on there. Uh, we have Joseph Conicello, who I hope to see in Japan coming up very soon. We have Kevin Scally, we have Leo, we have Max Power, Paul Bain, Thomas Clemens, and Weston Flippo. This list is growing every, every time I read it. And I love that. It makes me super excited to do these shows um, because it is work, but it's work I like doing. So, all right, a um, couple more plugs to get out of the way before we get too far in. As always, head on over uh, to uh, the THT podcast. That's with our good buddy Shaheen. You can uh, check him out at nuclearheatgraphics.com. He's launching an entirely new brand of shit he's uh he just got this drawing tablet he's putting out amazing pieces and still playing with the i don't don't think he's got any art with it for sale yet 
but there will be. But he's branching out. He's doing movies. He's doing posters. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's got different podcasts coming out with his little cast of uh, uh, characters. You might find me on one of those shows once in a while if he gets really desperate. Um, so definitely check out NuclearHeatGraphics.com and check out the Powerbomb Prints with uh, Jonathan Stauffer. If you need shirts done in the Jersey area, check out Power Powerbomb Prints. And that's about it. I want to say one more thing about Shaheen. If any of you guys are into paranormal, spooky shit, he's got a, 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 a quick video on his uh, YouTube at, you can find at Nuclear Heat where he actually goes to the Penhurst, I believe it's an insane asylum, I believe, or some type of hospital. He's got a little trailer, but he's putting together a full-length feature about his uh, little tour of this uh, haunted, abandoned mental hospital. So if you're into that type of stuff, um, definitely check check that out. And the final plug, as I've been mentioning a few times, we are going to be moving this show over to its own feed. If you go into the description box of wherever you happen to be listening to this, you will find the link to the Deathmatch News radio feed. We had, I had a couple people saying, hey, I really like the show, but it gets lost in the shuffle with so much content coming out. So we are going to be moving this over to its own feed. We're still going to be cross-posting it. So you can find the show on both feeds. The feed, whatever you're listening to, you'll be able to find it here for a few weeks. And when we officially move over, we will announce that we're still waiting on iTunes to uh, do that for us, to uh, okay the new feed in the iTunes store, as that's how most people do hear this show. And with that said, final thing i got to mention, if you happen to be listening to us in iTunes, the number one way that you can support this show is by giving us a review, ideally five stars, which I think Jeremy's got for us, and write us a decent review saying, hey, these handsome fellows are talking about very high-scale cultured topics. So um, that's about all I got for plugs. I know it's a mouthful. Thank you guys for listening to us. Before we get into the news, Mike, is there anything else that you want to go over? I think uh, I lost my... No, no, I'm here. Okay. Sorry, I was on mute. I was... You did that beautiful long thing. I was able to eat my toast. So, uh... <laughs> Uh, no, uh, like I said, you've pretty much, uh, I think you got everybody covered there. All right, cool. Okay, well, let's get into it. Um, I'm going to let you eat your toast, and I'm going to go over a couple of things. We got a bunch of CZW news, um, and we're going to start off with the CZW news because I got kind of a lot to say. I'm sure you have some comments as well. Um, so I sat down, and I had every intention and every plan to watch Best of the Best. So this week has been a super busy week for me. I know for Mike as well, I haven't watched anything this week. But I sat down and I decided to watch Best of the Best. And I set aside time and everything. I loaded it up. Um, I dropped the coin. So if you want to know where your Patreon dollars are going, that's where it's going. A um, couple things I want to say. So this was the show, the Best of the Best. Best of the Best was classically probably one of the top three or four um you know uh mainstream wrestling tournaments on the indies for quite a while it would be like pwg uh the super eight of course was in there for a while but best of the best was usually up there for quite a while under the the zandig days and so this was i'm sorry i would say for a few years it probably was the premiere show because bola started after it and you know super eight you know it had a few years up and down. I would say it was right up there to Super 8. I mean, you had a bunch of smaller cops, but it was very prestigious for a while. 
I would even say that the first best of the best really made the Briscoes. For sure. Before that, the only people who knew about the Briscoes were people who watched CZW shows out of Delaware, and then out of nowhere they had this, you know, five-star classic on the first ever Best of the Best. So Best of the Best carries a lot of the prestige, you know? Um, Absolutely. So this show, I don't even know where to really start, um, and I don't want to just dog on CZW, but I got to call it let, call it like I see it. The first thing that, that I noticed immediately, because... I haven't watched a CZW show in a while. You watch bits and pieces of matches. I watched most of Cage of Death. But that was in Philly, and it was a special kind of show. It wasn't a regular show. So the first thing that I noticed immediately, and I'm comparing it to GCW, there's no way not to, is immediately how the production looks so antiquated and boring. It's a hard camera looking over the fans, and I'll get to the fans in a minute, but it's one hard camera, one roaming camera. Maybe there's a third camera, I don't know, but that's it. They just switch between these two cameras. The sound mixing, the crowd in the ring is very low, the announcers are super loud. It just looks like an indie you would find on your local television after Saturday Night Live or something. It doesn't look exciting in any way as far as the presentation goes. And the, you know, if you want to get really into it, the color saturation of the video is really bad. It's really bright. It's really washed out. Nothing pops at you. There are no bright colors. Um, it's just overhead lighting on a ring, and that's it. Whereas with the GCW shows or other indies, you have a lot of cameras on the floor. The buildings are lit up to be very appealing to the eye. The ring has a lot of stuff going on. I don't know what it was, but Mike, you've seen a couple of CCW shows. Like, do you have anything you want to add to that assessment? No, that's a, that's a good assessment. It looks like a second-rate promotion. It doesn't look like someone you would consider to be one of the premier indie promotions uh, you know, rest for years they were. I mean, uh, we we saw Steen and Generico there first in the United States. Uh, you know, Super Dragon came over. The PWG guys came over. Uh, we saw a lot of classic wrestling. We saw Adam Cole uh, there first. We saw a lot of people there first before David Starr, before they became stars and really helped make them. Uh, we don't have that anymore. Uh, we don't. I don't believe there's stars being made. The quality is not as good as it used to be. Um, it used to be a good quality production. They used to put out home videos uh you could go in best of best of uh or best buy and see the you know czw ultra violence video the czw tax video uh it was uh, a much more prestigious promotion so then you got the fans and it kind of hit me like attendance wise they're drawing a hundred fans basically right and then there there's other fans who are you know friends of the wrestlers maybe some of the trainees or whatever but um you know let's say there's 150 people in the building um gcw ran the voltage lounge are going to run it again i don't think they had more than 200 people in that building but i forget who it was i think it was one of the wrestlers maybe on the jcat show which by the way jcat morris upgraded me from a faggot who needs to have his throat slit to a jerk-off. So I think that's a pretty cool upgrade, in my opinion. But um, <laughs> um, I think it was J-Cat had on one of the wrestlers, and they said, the building they're running right now, it's just big and empty. It just looks big and empty. There's no other way to say it. And it's not only that. It's that everyone is sitting down. Everyone has their hands on their laps. 
Nobody is dressed in their gear. When you look at the GCW shows, the fans are standing, they're excited, they're happy to be there, they're clapping, they're screaming, they're holding drinks, and they're decked out in hats and shirts and hoodies and belt buckles and pins and special pens and fucking squirt guns with the GCW logo on them. I mean, I mean, they got any everything that they can possibly get. The crowd looks like they're going insane. And when you turn on the CCW show, it's been said 5,000 5, times, they just look like they wandered in for a Sunday matinee, you know? Yes. A very boring Sunday matinee. They're uh, they're reshowing Driving Mrs. Da- Driving Miss Daisy or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, sad. Still there? Whoops! Sorry about that. My mic was mute. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Sorry. Yeah, so I watched it. The first match came on, and I, I was ready. I'm like, okay, this is best of the best. Let's watch this. <laughs> you know, PWG is a thing. If I want to watch these kind of matches, I'll watch PWG. Every company, if you want to be at like a bit, you know, a high level, you need an identity, a style, or something, blah, blah. And it's just these people doing thigh, knee-based, PWG, bad, ongbok choreography that's the best way to put it um the crowd you know man Warner's a star he did the knee pad up he did the knee pad down crowd didn't care um the match was real just sloppy and dull and boring and it was nothing i really cared about um two of the participants up and down the card i fast forward a little bit through but up and down the card i don't know any of these people and it's because they're czw trainees they're they're students the show is Dojo Wars with more chairs. That's basically what the show is. Um, I thought it fucking sucked. I have no other way to say it. I'm sorry. CZW unblocked me. And I said, okay, I'm going to give you guys the time to try to do this. But um, it was just a really dull, boring match. Um, Jonathan Green won. He won the title. He tried to do this big, oh, my God. Silver. Jonathan Silver, thank you. There's too many guys I don't... There's so many people named Jonathan. You put Anthony Green. Anthony Green did win it too, but you put them together. (laughs) Okay, sorry about that. So, um... Well, anyway, so Anthony Green wins it, or did John Silver win it first? John Silver. Anthony Green won it, then David Starr won it, then John Silver won it. So I'm watching (laughs) Anthony Green, and he's trying to do this Shane Douglas style for all the people out there watching me and all my fans and my family, thank you so much. And it's like, bro, you're kind of holding a piece of shit that nobody wants. Like, I, I, I know that Deej was like, go out there, sell it, put on a good promo. But it's like, motherfucker, like, it would be like Jeff Jarrett, cut, you know, cutting a promo the ninth time he won the WCW title on Thunder. You know, it's like, who cares at this point? Then they ran an angle, they beat him up, the show went on. No character, no emotion, no production values. Everyone looked really bored to be there. I thought it was a real, based on the collective 50 minutes of a three-hour show that I watched, I would give it a three. If you like thigh-based, knee-slapping, flippy-dippy, wannabe, PWG bullshit, you gotta watch this show. If you have a life or you want to get more points in Red Dead Redemption 2, probably skip the show. There's really nothing to watch here. Um, I know that you didn't watch the show, Mike, and I know I've been yakking for a while, but I wanted to give you... Is there anything else that you want to add to that? No, no, I, I tried to watch it, but it was, a, it was a crazy week. 
and uh, it sounds like about what I thought it would be. Uh, you know, reading the reviews and whatnot, it just didn't. Uh, I mean, do we really want to change the title three times in one show? That just seems bush league to me. Um, you had a prestigious title where people like Masada, Drake Younger, uh, Ruckus, Super Dragon, they used to take that title and, and hold it for a year, year and a half, and defend against people like El Generico and Kevin Steen and, uh, you know, the top Michael Elgin and, and plus the Deathmatch wrestlers. And, and uh, now you kind of shit on it and you change it three times in one night. Uh, kind of sad. I kind of get it. It's like, okay, you want to shake things up, but you're shaking up. You're shaking up a martini nobody ordered. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, moving on, I'll let you take over. Uh, CZW, they, they have announced some guys coming up for TOD, right? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, we've got Maria, the Martina, the session moth. They actually announced a match with Dan O'Hare. It's going to be the alcohol death match. Uh, they announced Casanova Valentine. Uh, they announced Big Joe. Um, so they're, they're, you know, some better names at least uh, in there. I think that's all they've announced so far. Yeah, um, Casanova and Big Joe are pretty linked at this point. They just did some no-ring death matches in Vegas and stuff. So I, I expected those two to go in together. Um, Dan O'Hare, he's been in CZW for quite a while. He's like a good, pretty good staple of the deathmatch scene. But, um, to me, the big news it is it is petition season. <laughs> big Joe, yes, but... he, you know, obviously Session Moth, we kind of went over that for a while. Session Moth got in based on a petition and retweets and likes. I saw this coming down Broadway, man. There's a lot of people who want spots in TOD. Jimmy Lyon is trying, folks. Jimmy Chandolin is is trying. He's he's got his petition out there too. If you want to check it out, one guy who I think really is overlooked is um I gotta go with uh the XPW Deathmatch legend himself, Rob Black, a former a former XPW world world champion. So I'm laying it down now that I want to petition Rob Black himself into the tournament. You want the owner? Yeah, the of remote? course. The the legend yeah. himself, so for sure, I I want to petition for my mailman Randy. I'm gonna start one soon. Uh, hopefully he could come into the show. I think he would be uh, would do really well. Well, he's got to walk like ten miles a day, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also uh, Monkey Dick James, you know, he's become a life of himself in other podcasts. So he's one of the uh, under underlying wrestlers that people don't know out there. Uh, so say yes to Monkey Dick James for TOD. Watch out for the p- petition. Um, but seriously, I think this petition thing is real corny. And I think that CZW, you did it to yourself, but now and now if they don't give a petition guy a spot, there's going to be, you know, a couple butthurt people online. Uh, but it got to the point where you sent me a picture. And it was of that guy. What's that guy's name? Superman? Superhuman? Superhuman. Shit. Okay. Super. So people gift up a little gag of him entering the TOD based on the petition. And for about nine seconds, I thought you were dead serious. I was like, oh, my God, CZW <laughs> are just looking for a quick YouTube view, and they're going to put this guy in a fucking match. Right. Not the case. So that's cool. Nope. Um, but so that's all that's really going on in, in, with 
CZW. Um, they do have the Tangled Web show coming up. Um, I believe this will be Brandon Kirk's last CZW show, right? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. He'll be taking on Masada in the uh, main event, and Tremont will be taking on John Silver. And I think Casanova's on the card, too. I, for, I don't know who he wrestles, I forget. But, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an upcoming card, so uh, it'll probably be Brandon Kirk's last uh, hurrah. Yeah, he, he straight up commented um, on Twitter that I'm pretty sure he just straight out said, he's like, this is my last match in the company. And, you know, he's been pretty negative about the way they've promoted a barbed wire scaffold match where Brandon Kirk is going to be expected to, you know, take a pretty wild bump most likely, and they're not really promoting it at all. So he's pretty much, um, you know, he's pretty uh, pretty adamant that this is going to be his final CZW show at for the time being, just like a lot of other guys. So that's all that's going on in CZW. And I'm, am I missing anything? No, just uh, the last guy that leaves, please turn out the lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, give DJ a drink, turn out the lights. <laughs> nice. Well, that's going to take us to GCW. Um, what? So before we get into the big new shows, let's go over the existing cards. Uh, what upcoming shows do they have at the moment? Uh, they've got a whole bunch of upcoming shows. Let me just pull it up here real quick. They've got three shows coming up soon uh, within the next couple of weeks. Looks like one this weekend, and then they have uh, blah, 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 blah. They have some right after that, too. Just give me, give me a minute here. Radio silence. So the first show they have coming up is the 27th, is the uh, show in Asbury, not Asbury Park, but the show at the Voltage Lounge in Philadelphia. Uh, that's going to be the very first show that they have coming up. Uh, that is the Crime Wave show. So far announced for Crime Wave, uh, we have George Nella and Tony Deppen, uh, Nick Gage and Connor Claxton, Marco Stunt and Jimmy Lloyd, Homicide and Colby Carino, and match that interests me, obviously with the feud between Steve Carino and Homicide. Uh, Mance Warner versus Slack, another match that interests me. Uh, El Gringo Loco versus Opinion. They've also announced that Dustin Thomas will be on the show. Uh, the gentleman that was at the collective, uh, the, the gentleman that has no legs, uh, who put on the showing. So he'll be there. Uh, they've also got uh, Asbury Park on 5-3. Well, real quick, header. I want to mention one thing about Crime Wave is, uh, okay, so Mance Warner's on all of these. Yep. Yeah, so put, you know, 2 plus 2. Um, Mance Warner and Schlack, I want to see that match. That's all. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just another big, big house fight. For sure. So then we go to the next weekend. Now they're doing double shot. First night is uh, May 3rd in Asbury Park. Uh, that's the, uh, the block is hot, right? The block is uh, hot, I believe. Yes, yes it is. Uh, that's Orange Cassidy versus Lucky 13. Uh, Joey Janelle and Nick Gage. MJF and Marco Stunt. Uh, Tony Deppin and Jonathan Grisham. Mance Warner and uh, Homicide. They just announced Slack and G-Raver. Uh, and then the following night, uh, they're going to jump on a plane, and they're all going to go to Chicago uh, for the last ones, a show that I'm interested in. looks like uh, it's going to probably be like a 50-50 deathmatch show and uh, a 50-50 uh, regular GCW show. And I'm pulling that up right now. Uh, I know that Nick Gage will be taking on Mance Warner. That's going to be an awesome matchup. Uh, Shane Mercer, Jake Atlas, 
Oren Vite. I said it right. Oren Vite. And uh, Eric Ryan in a death match. Marcus Crane and John Murdoch. John Wayne Murdoch in a death match. Marco Stunt and Tony Deppin. Joey Janela and Orange Cassidy. And Jimmy Lloyd and Alice Clone in a death match. So that's a really stacked card. Um, some cool non-death matches, some cool death matches. It looks about 50-50. So usually when they go to Chicago, they tend to do some uh, some ultra-violence. Then after that, we had the TOD, or TOD, TOS show uh, coming up the 1st of June. Uh, so far announced for that show, we have the great Sasuke uh, Sakuda from Big Japan. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd, and they recently announced Nick Gage will be in the tournament also. Um, and their Kenta will be making a special appearance. Uh, who wrestled with Hideo Itami, Hideo Itami in WWE, and really, if you don't know him as Kenta from Noah, then your your head is in the sand. He'll be making a special appearance at the show. I assume like an autograph signing or something. And then on the Fourth of July, they're running well, a very wait. Let's stop because that's going to be a big discussion in itself. So let's just talk about these shows real quick. Um, okay. So, yeah, um, I do want to say, um, so Gage going into the tournament surprises me a little bit, but um, someone yeah. made the comment that, you know, we talk about all the time. Who's going to be the one to beat Nick Gage? We, when Takeda was going through guys, we were saying the, the same thing then. When one guy's champion for a while, he's going through guys, you're going to ask eventually. Um, I would think Janela and G. Raver are about the last two opponents for Gage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't see Mance Warner going over him right away, but uh, if Mance had been there longer, I'd say possibly yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't see him going over. I would say Raver has been on a winning streak. You have, obviously have Janela, too. Um, yeah, every time I think he's going to lose, he doesn't. So I would think at some point he's got to lose the title. Yeah. Um, yeah he's well, going to do like a Bruno San Martino. We'll but. see. I mean, he very well could with the way GCW cycles talent. I can... I could, if 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 I fell asleep into a coma for five years and woke up and Gage was still the champion, I wouldn't be too shocked. <laughs> so, um, and I want to make one other comment. So it's going to be uh, G Raver against Schlack at one of those shows you were going over. I think it was the one in Asbury Park. Um, and uh, I, I I think Marcus Crane made the comment. I just thought this was so so funny where he, where he was like, I don't want to see you going down to no fucking put you know pussy knees. And that's from, and that's a joke from the Blackcraft show where, uh, G, you know, G Raver pinned Schlack with the double knees, but because of the chain, the chain ropes, he kind of missed the launch and barely grazed him. But Schlack had to take the one, two, three, and I just heard all the wrestlers, it, you know, in the bar joking about Schlack getting pinned by these pussy knees. So that's where that came <laughs> from. I thought it was funny as hell. But um, all those shows look good. I was talking to Sh- Shaheen, and I was like. Bro, I'm wrestled out. I really just am so wrestled out. I don't have enthusiasm or passion. Like I'm doing, I'm so busy right now that wrestling is the last thing on my 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 mind. He goes, "Well, do you want to watch the you know the game changer shows?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course. I I I can't wait for all of these shows. Just GCW, they got all the matches, and I'm really excited for these shows. That's all. So um and uh, TOS." Drew Parker semi confirmed a couple months ago, so we can assume Drew Parker as well. Um, is there anybody else that you want to see in TOS? Um, um you know, I, I'd like to see uh, Eric Ryan and Alice Cologne. Uh, you know, I think they're two guys that are uh, are really uh really good. I'd love to see them in the first round match. 
I think it'd be, you know, ball would be pretty crazy. Obviously, you always want to see more Japanese talent, but I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Uh, you know, we've got our true Japanese talent. Love to see Seiko play or Medeo come back. But uh, as always, I mean, GCW always puts together a real cool tournament, so I suspect uh, it'll be the same here. Um, I'm just curious if you if you know anything about this. Maybe it's based because of where he lives or his you know real schedule. But um, uh, you know, Alex Cologne isn't on all of these shows. He he's usually on like like half of them. Is that just because of the transportation or something? I think it could be. I, I don't know for sure, but uh, I know he lives in Ohio, so that that may be part of the part of the reason. All right. Well, don't let me stop you. Keep you, you can keep on going there. About Alice Cologne, or no? About the the next show on the on the, the docket. The Fourth of July, GCW is doing like a backyard show. Uh, it's the invite only show. It's a secret location. Uh, there'll be beer and hot dogs and lawn chairs and mattresses, and they've kind of been tight lipped about it so far. Uh, what do you what do you have to say about it? Uh, I'm stoked. Um, I'm thinking I might try and go just because I might be in the states for that time period anyway. I would like. I I think this sounds like a really fun time. I don't know. I know how else to put it. Um, I so yeah. Tickets are invite only. As far as I know, I mean I've heard a couple things. Um, it is Joey Janela's birthday party. Um, the venue they're running, they agreed to a set uh, ticket limit. And everyone once on the show, everyone on everyone on Twitter, like uh, are are posting their old backyard wrestling clips. Um, and uh, they're really uh, hoping for a big buy on Fight from it is what they're really hoping. Like they're really hoping that this does a lot of business on 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 Fight TV. But I, I think it's going to be a big send up to uh, bet to the backyard wrestling scene, which. Launched the careers. Uh, I mean, that early two thousand. I I don't think younger fans really understand, but two thousand one to two thousand three or four, backyard wrestling was huge, and it was a huge gateway to deathmatch wrestling. Um, oh, for sure, they, they put a lot of videos, um, you know, video games. Uh, mm-hmm. It was definitely a a big thing. They used to uh, bring in a lot of different deathmatch wrestlers for the uh, video games to promote that. I know there's Backyard Wrestling 1 and 2 were big hits. Um, the, they had DVDs. They had infomercials on television a lot. You see their infomercials for their uh, different DVD releases. They definitely had a, a big market back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really cool stuff. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you want to see on this show? Um, what do I want to see? Well, I want to see a, you know, it's going to be an outdoor show, sounds like. Or no? Um, as far as I know, it's going to be outdoor, yeah. Yeah, sounds like the way, uh, we said the arena, so it kind of threw me for a, but uh, yeah, I'd like to see a good old 200 light tube match, you know, your outdoor kind of fight, uh, maybe an exploding board, something crazy, that'd be cool for the 4th of July, wouldn't it? Have like an exploding board match, something cool like that. You know that gritty feel uh, of uh, the, the outdoor death match shows, or just uber violent and just uh, crazy glass and just outdoors and craziness. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Um, I I want to see see I want I want I want M Dog twenty versus Josh Prohibition. I hope ICP shows up. I hope it's just this semi organized GCW show that never ends where people keep pulling up and asking to get booked on the show. It starts at 4 p.m. and goes till 11.30 when the fireworks blow up the internet box they got. Like, I hope this is really just as off the wall as they can possibly make it. I kind of feel like this is going to be what they were hoping the 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 TOS 3 was going to be when they were going to have the ice cream trucks and the vendors and all that type of right. crazy stuff. I kind of hope they dip back into some of that type of stuff. But um, God willing, I'll make it. And I just hope it's a big, crazy, stupid party, and everyone on commentary is wasted. So those are my hopes. Sure, they will be. Yeah. Um, so that's about it for GCW. Um, we do have a whole bunch of announcements for upcoming tournaments and shows. So, Mike, if you want to let us know what's going on with all that. Uh, for sure. On the 17th, ARW is running their deathmatch tournament. They're a company out of uh, Indianapolis. Uh, I've got the uh, match listing for that. Uh, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley will be taking on Mason and Devin Cutter, the hooligans, in a first-round tons-of-glass match, shit-tons of glass. Um, the winners of that match will immediately take on each other, apparently, in a one-on-one -on -one match. Uh, Cole Radrick takes on G. Raver <clears throat> excuse me, in a Boards of Bullshit death match. Uh, Chuck Steen from Horror Slam takes on Neil Diamond Cutter in a barbed wire hell death match. Peter B. Beautiful takes on Amazing Maria in a kitchen nightmare death match. Slack takes on Aiden Blackheart in a last man standing death match. Corporal Robinson uh, takes on from the Viking War Party, Alex Herzog, in a thumbtacks, light tubes, and cheese graters death match. And then Dale Patrick's. We'll be taking on Hosea in a first-round death match. Um, I, I talk with these guys quite a bit. They're more Gary's a cool guy. You know, they're trying to put together some really cool stuff for Indianapolis and kind of get that scene going again. Their first show, it's good quality. Uh, they've got a good crew taping it. You know, there's, there's three people on cameras. Uh, they're really trying to commit to putting together good shows. Um, they do a lot of uh, sales on tickets and different things. So if you go on there, you can get a really good price on tickets. Uh, they're trying to, you know, build up their market. They had a good showing for the first couple shows, and they're just trying to get that deathmatch scene going there. So, you know, I support Gary, and I support ARW, and I, and I think, you know, it's going to be it's a cool tournament. There's some different people in there that you don't always see, so that's kind of cool. You know, and different people brings me up to the next tournament, too. Uh, the Southern Sickness Cup, which is going to be a two-day tournament in October. Uh, I really kind of like the bookings so far. Uh, there's some cool matches, some cool ideas. Uh I also got to pull up their listings later because they just released uh, some further shit as to what's going to be going on there. So I got to pull that up while I'm talking to you. Um, let me go over the lineup real quick. Slack and Kelvin Tankman, first round, broken beers, bottles, gussets, and barbed wire. The main event of night one will be Electrified House of Horrors match. Uh, Matt Tremont and John Wayne Murdoch. And people who know uh, about Matt Tremont and John Wayne Murdoch, they met in IWA King of the Death match finals two years in a row, uh, 15 and 16, with Tremont taking the first year and John Wayne taking the second year. So that's kind of a cool rematch from that. Uh, Pat Monix will be taking on Marcus Crane in a first-round Thumbtack Warfare match. Reed Bentley will be taking on Dale Patricks in a Shark Teeth Boards. Fish Hooks, Pits of Rock Salt, Seashells Death Match. J. 
Jimmy Lloyd, who were taking on Deadly Dale, Rob Marsh, and Colt 45, and they weaponized some classic horror movies, Deathmatch. And then Casanova Valentine will be taking on the Zodiac in a gusset strips replaced glass, also barbed wire Deathmatch. Uh, Cole Radrick, Oren Vite, Cody Rice, Alex Zane, Eddie Only, and G Raver announced. I believe they still have four more competitors to announce for the show. I know that one's going to be a really big name. I've kind of heard, so obviously I can't say yet, but I think the one's going to be huge uh, for that area. So it's going to be a cool uh, a cool thing they got going on down there. Um, I'm going to pull up their page real quick because I know they have some, uh, some uh, second-round steps, which are pretty cool, and I think the main event step is also in there. So if you'll bear with me for just a minute. Anyone who knows uh, Pro Wrestling Trainwreck, that's a promotion. Eric Wayne, the son of Ken Wayne, and J.C. Rotten, we know who his father is, so we don't need to plug him, uh, is uh, running that promotion. Uh, it's in Memphis, Tennessee, and you know, they're putting a lot of stuff into it. Uh, and really trying to uh, make it something special, um, which I think is really cool. Um, I think the South really needs someone uh, because they've got the disdain of Kevin Brennan, his horseshit that's been running down there for years. So I think it's really, really cool that, uh, you know, they've got that going on down there. And, uh, you know, they're trying to, uh, you know, make that uh, something special down there and something that fans can get behind. So uh, I'm running on a monologue here. I was trying to uh, find their announcements for their further matches, but I haven't come across it yet. That's okay. So uh, so you're trying to find the announcements for the train the train wreck shows, right? Yeah, they just announced uh, steps for like the semifinals. Yeah, well, um, if you want to bring those up, I'll just kind of give my commentary. Um, they're going all out. Like, So the Southern Sickness is the IWA Mid-South King of the Death Matches. It's, it's, it's going to be two nights, right? Okay, so it's going to be two nights, 24 people? Correct. Okay, 24 people, and you got, like, you'll have the steps up. Let me know when you got them. But this is basically the IWA Mid-South King of the Death Matches. So if that was one of your favorite tournaments or if that was a tournament that you really looked forward to, don't cry too hard because Trainwreck picked up the ball and they're going to keep on rolling with it. I think it's better because they're putting a lot of young talent in. It doesn't always do death matches, so I don't. I don't want to brand it as mid south. I think it's going to be something better because JC is trying to be different than his father, and uh, I think it's going to be that that style with enough people. But I think it's going to be something something new and better um, for that. So they've announced uh, steps for the second round. Um, some cool steps. First one is a fuck it, we will do it live match. It's a live TVs. And electrical light tubes. I've never seen live TVs before. That's interesting. Uh, they're going to have plugged in TVs and electrified light tubes. A Caribbean spider webs and pick your poison. Uh, each participant will bring two weapons with them in the ring, and there will be a Caribbean spider webs around the ring. A double dare death match. Gusses at the bottom of a pool of lemon juice. Barbed wire boards where the wires have been soaked in sriracha sauce. And light tubes over a pool of alcohol. Okay, that sounds a little bit like Dad there. <laughs> that sounds like that could be, be maybe mid south. But uh, then this is an interesting one: a Venus flytrap death match, uh, barbed wire net with hinges on both wait, sides. Wait, wait, we gotta go back what? to the Venus flytrap. Um, now it doesn't say who's in the matches, right? Correct. This okay. is the second round. It's just gonna be guys struggling while they move their hand towards a Venus flytrap that isn't 
you know, Venus flytraps aren't like the movies. They don't have big fangs or anything. Like, they kill flies. I'll be surprised what that is. It would be better if it was Schlack in a Venus flytrap costume chasing it's people. It's not around. a real Venus flytrap. You didn't let me finish this. Oh, okay, okay. I'm it's sorry. It's just the name of it. Oh, it's okay. That's okay. just the name of it. A barbed wire net with hinges on both sides. The wire laces through the hinges. So when they snap, the enclosed the, the uh, person in it will be trapped in it. That's why they're calling it the Venus flytrap. That's a little better. Well, well, keep in mind, this is the legacy promotion that gave right, us right. dead lobsters, you know? <laughs> I love your idea. That's yeah. <laughs> you were going on it. But, so they have two more to announce for the semifinals, and then the finals too, but that's just some of the ideas that they've got going so far. For sure. And then uh, we've got the Insane 8 coming up too. Uh, this tournament, I'm really kind of psyched about. Uh, really, really cool first round matches. Uh, Nick Gage and Dan O'Hare, uh, and the fans bring the weapons death match. Uh, Matt Tremont versus Slack in a barbed wire madness match. Jimmy Lloyd versus Marcus Crane in a frozen tundra, four corners of fuckery. Oren Vite versus Alice Cologne. We're going to be a crazy match in a doors of death match. The semifinals are thumbtacks. Ladders, chairs, light tubes, deathmatch, and electrified light tubes and Legos, deathmatch. And the main event will be a no ropes, barbed wire, ultimate insanity deathmatch. That's a cool tournament. Um, you know, basic steps, which are sometimes cool. Sometimes when we try to get too crazy a step, sometimes they, you know, they don't work out. So, uh, you know, and then I have one more to announce. Boy, this one's going to be a humdinger. This is the Angel of Death. Deathmatch tournament. Uh, boy, this is going to be a humdinger. Well, uh, well John hold on. Let's close out. Let's close out the train wreck. So train wreck is going to be August what? October. October. I think the 9th and 10th, I believe. Okay, so, and that's a good time because there's no other tournament. So now we're moving on to John Rare's Angel of Death tournament. Go on. So, so far announced are John Rare, Spider Boudreaux, of course. Jimmy Lloyd, I think he got lost and took a wrong turn. At, uh, wrong turn at the Hills Have Eyes. Uh, Terry Houston and Shane Lane, it sounds about right. Cole 45 and Aiden Blackheart. And then there's five more competitors. Uh, the only thing more I know about this is the finals will be a four-way final saw legacy death match. So unfortunately in my mind that tells me that Spider... And uh, John Rare will probably be in the finals. So that disappoints me right away. So, you know, it's a deathmatch tournament. Um, do I expect much? No. Um, unfortunately, it's got that uh, Kevin Brennan deep south on it. He's not promoting it, so I'm sure he'll be involved in some capacity. So I'm sure someone might get their head cut off. There'll probably be alligators and sharks. Um, I'm sure there'll be razor wire and napalm, you know, things that you love out of deep south. Uh, I'm not super excited about it. I really don't. I think the only good thing about it, I believe it's John Rare and spider bro Rideau's retirement match. So hopefully we won't have to see them again. Yeah, but I feel like they already did that, that one Carnage Cup where they did the three stages of who goes oh, fuck. painful to watch. I thought that was their <laughs> final match ever. I, I, I guess so. I guess we just decided that people really wanted to see them a nice time. Uh, they haven't sawed off a limb yet. Mm. This gives them an opportunity to be able to saw off one of their arms yeah. or something. 
So I'm sure we'll see something amazing. Uh, there'll be razor wire and firecrackers, and hopefully it can be in the middle of a field somewhere or a taco stand. That's only my dreams. Yeah. I hope that it can be. So, you know, it's a deathmatch tournament. Some of the wrestlers in it are, are decent wrestlers. I hope it turns out okay. I hope no one dies or loses a limb. Um, will I watch it? I probably will. I watch everything at some point. Uh, but it's not something I'm super excited about. It's just uh, a lot of uh, Deep South kind of staying on it. It's something I'm more excited about down south. And if you're down south, I would go to J.C. Rotten's train wreck. Um, that sounds 10 million times better than this show. And it has a lot of professionally trained wrestlers. Um, this show has a few, don't get me wrong. It's got Jimmy Lloyd and and people. But uh, I'm just not a John Rare and spider Boudreau. And some people love that. There'll be a market for it, I'm sure. Some people love the carnage of Deep South. I guess they just love it. They hope someone gets beheaded. That's their, their thoughts. That if there ever is a tournament where there's a beheading, this might be the one. So, you know, if you like that kind of stuff and you're into gore and ridiculousness and non-trained wrestlers, this is probably the show for you. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Not every, you know, um, nah, whatever. I'm going to keep my tongue until it's over with. Um, what about Unholy Warfare? What happened there? Do you have the results for that one? I do. I do. Uh, from what I've seen in this show, it looked pretty good, too. And uh, thankfully, I know that uh, Curb Stomp recorded it, so we will see the light of day. So that's uh, that's a cool thing because some of the other shows did not see the light of day. So Slack defeated Big Country. Um, Slack smashed the ref with light tubes, uh, and I guess he smashed some tubes right across uh, Big Country's face. They were saying that he was blind, might have blinded him, but he's okay, folks. Uh, Travis uh, Dykes defeated Chicano. Uh, this was Chicano's first ever uh, death match. Uh, I know it was a nasty uh, gusset spot and a barbed wire net. Uh, Robert Romero defeated uh, Justin Fireball in a classic hardcore match with some light tubes. Bryant Woods made his return against Brad Cash. This is a bloody match. Uh, I know there's blood all over the walls. I believe Woods got his, his septum piercing torn out. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Jimmy Lloyd defeated Justin Lane. This is, I guess, was a big like squash match. Uh, they said Zane, Justin Zane, excuse me. They said he put him through a flame and gusset. Uh, Zane impressed a lot of people. I guess with the punishment he took, it was like a kind of like a Jimmy Lloyd Nick Gage from TOS Two. Remember that match where Gage kind of fed him his lunch? Yeah. It was kind of like the introduction to that, and uh, they said this match kind of resembled that Lloyd really. Uh, it was like ninety-five percent of the offense. Uh, the next matchup was Yella over Bubba Sawyer and Terry Houston. Uh, I guess they had a lot of tax and then whatnot and fuckery. Rob Marsh defeated Colt 45 and Augustus Galore. Uh, this was Colt's uh, comeback match. So uh, I'm going to have a lot about that. J.W. Dalton defeated Connor Claxton. Uh, there was firework poppers. Uh, Claxton got his face, or tax stuck in his face. Uh, so, and there was some cool stuff in there. Uh, Raven Havoc defeated Matt Tremont. Uh, a lot of light tubes, I guess. I guess it was a kind of a cool thing. They invited Havoc back to, uh, H2O where he'd be teaming up with his, uh, idol G-Raver. G-Raver won a four-way H2O scramble to become a number one contender. He defeated Stockade, Mitch Vallon, and Devin Moore. Uh, they had light tubes and basic fuckery in that matchup. Uh, I, they had a crowd of about 175 people. 
uh, seemed like a pretty live crowd. I know that uh, for North Carolina, you know, that, that's pretty good. Uh, this will be coming out on tape, so you'll be able to see it and check it out. Um, uh, when I saw it, it looked cool. I mean, some of the guys are questionable. Obviously, some of the milestone guys. Uh, I wasn't a huge milestone Mike Levy fan. Uh, but there's the H2O talent in there, too. And, uh, you know, I'll give it a chance. And uh, when it comes out, check it out. I know yeah, the fans was, that went to it. What was the deal with the H2O crew going? I mean, they had, like, the whole crew. Yeah, yeah. Well, they work together. They've been at pretty much all the shows. Uh, Tremont, Raver, uh, first time they brought Slackdown, but they have a close working relationship. I, I think you'll see an H2O show in North Carolina in the next year. Um, they just have a good relationship with Raven. And you know, Matt, Matt works with the Rockstar guys, too. And he's got a good, so, uh, you know, they brought, they did. The whole crew came down because they filmed it, too. The H2O camera crew. That makes sense. Okay, double with the, uh, yeah, Double Stomp, yeah. Yep. So they filmed it. So that's why I say, thank goodness this should see the light of day soon. Because yeah. these guys, you know, in their professional crew, they filmed it. So uh, I, I uh, you know, I hope there will be more. I know Raven's talking about doing another one. Um, Raven impressed me with that match with Cannonball at H2O. So I'm kind of curious to see him and uh, him and uh, Havoc and whatnot. And, uh, and then speaking of H2O, I want to talk about their upcoming show, too. I'm just going to pull it up real quick. The Double Death Show. Um, not uh, uh, Subterranean Violence Five is like a tag war show, but it's really a a loaded loaded lineup. Have you seen that at all? Um, no, I have not seen. Wait, is okay. this the wait? This is the uh, the Double Death Tournament. Yes, this, yes, this, I have seen. Well, it's it, not yeah. a tournament. Okay, it's a double. It's a tag show. Yeah. Um, it's a Subterranean Violence show, episode five. They actually got a lot of shit coming up, uh, and I'll cover I'll cover that real quick. Uh, April twenty sixth. Is the uh, Too Tough to Quit show? That's going to be Tremont and Too Tough Tony. Uh, first time Too Tough Tony has done the East Coast show, and probably since I would guess Pro Wrestling Unplugged. That's probably the last time I think we saw Tony. Uh, Alice Cologne will be taking on Lucky Thirteen in a one last time H Two O Championship, and the main event will be Light Tubes, Lumberjacks, Panes of Glass, Kid Osborne, and Slack. Uh, the Cutthroat Kings, Connor Claxton and Logan Black, will take on Notorious Inc. for tag titles. In a two-on-three handicap matchup, uh, Mitch Mellon and Jeff Cannonball will take on Aiden Ball, Bam Sullivan, and Mouse. Jimmy Lloyd versus Steve Sanders and Danny Gallagher. In the Haas Fight Stockade, will take on Chuck Wayne. Uh, White Trash Open Challenge, Ron Mathis versus Sean Henderson. In a kind of a Jersey All-Pro old-school matchup, uh, Low Life Louie would be taking on Crazy Ivan. If anybody watched Jersey All-Pro early on, they'll remember Crazy Ivan and obviously Louie, too. Um, I'm actually going to have Louie on tonight for an interview, so I want to talk some of that old Jersey All-Pro gold when they used to do death matches and stuff. So that's exciting. You can check out that in a few days from uh, Death Match Cult Presents. And also, uh, Too Tough, or Chainsaw Tony will be appearing. There's a contract signing also for Maria Manic and Tara Calloway, which gets me into their next show uh, on May 4th. It's going to be the Bro- Blood, Broads, and Barbed Wire show. The main event in the No World Barbed Wire match being Tara Calloway and uh, Maria Manic. This is a WH2O show. Obviously, it's Tremont's other promotion, which is uh, the ladies' promotion. Uh, an intergender hardcore matchup, Low Life Louie will be taking on Primetime Amy Lee. And in another intergender match, Max the Impaler, who we don't know her. She's this brute from California, uh, bodybuilder-type lady. She'll be taking on Stockade. Uh, Brittany Blake will be taking on Stan Styles. 
In a Woman of Honor showcase match, Jenny Rose will be taking on Gabby Ortiz. Uh, Gabby Gilbert will be taking on Gemma Cross. And then another intergender matchup, Jinx, will be taking on Sean Henderson. So that's your WH2O show. I think Maria and Tara and the Barbara match will be cool. Uh, there's some Academy shows, too. Uh, let's talk about the May 18th show. That is the Double Death Wars. Uh, Subterranean Violence, Episode 7. Quite a stacked, stacked lineup. They haven't announced any matches yet, but we do have a, a lot of debuts and a lot of returns. So this will be the debut of Wax, making his return to the deathmatch scene, Wax. Also, this is going to be the debut of the Hooligans and Alex Herzog from the Viking War Party. It's going to be the debut of Neil Diamond Cutter in H2O. And it's going to be the debut of Rob Marsh in H2O. Uh, for returns, we will have Eric Ryan, Eric Only, Casanova Valentine, G. Raver and Raven Havoc, Marcus Crane, Dale Patricks, and Brandon Kirk. Plus, your normal talents of Jeff Cannonball, Mitch Vallon, Slack, Dan O'Hare, Notorious Inc., Mark, Mark Angel and Jimmy Chandolin, Louis Ramos, Alex Cologne, Steve Sanders, Danny Gallagher, Connor Claxton, Kid Osborne, Matt Tremont, Cyrus DeVille, and Chris Volta. That's a whole lot of talent, huh? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole lot of talent. It's going to be a lot of tag stuff, so I think it's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we don't see that. It's not it's not a tournament that's close to it. It's going to be a, you know a lot of tag matches, so a lot of talent in there, a lot of cool talent. So I think that should be a real uh, knockdown show. You know, I'm kind of excited about that. You know, they, when they go death crazy there at H2O, they definitely, they have a lot of cool stuff coming up. They have Super Clash coming up, too, after that, their big anniversary show, but nothing's been announced yet, and that'll be in June. So, yeah, that's a lot of uh, cool H2O, H2O stuff going on. And well, also, what's good is that, I just want to comment really quick, what's good is that you have a, a company, and you know now you have a couple companies that are running just multiple shows a month. It just gives people more experience, more people can see them, or, yeah. you know, they can get more, better ring, pff, ring shit, you know. Yeah, they're ring, they're ring shit. Yeah, they're doing, they're also doing their, uh, their student shows too now, and they bring talent for those, so they do those twice a month. They're trying to showcase some of the younger talent mixed in there with some of the, uh, the older talent, so it's definitely, uh, you know, something cool they got going on, too. We also had the Crimson Crown Cup. The Crimson Cup from Crimson Crown Wrestling. Used to be Blood Brothers. Uh, that's going to be coming up uh, August 16th. Uh, there's 12 competitors in three rounds. Round one will be three death matches. Round two will be two three-way dances. And then the finals uh, will be uh, the two one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, they've announced the talent for that. Um, kind of an interesting lineup. Uh, Bastia666 and his father, Damien666, have been announced. Uh, Casanova Valentine, Randy West, Marcus Crane, uh, BC Killer, Matt Tremont, The Trash King, Ray Barasa, uh, Homeless Jimmy, Maria Murano, the first transgender superstar, uh, who also does a very... Uh, Great interview that I'm, I'm proud that I was able to do. Uh, she'll be on in a, in a few, probably a week or so, we'll release it. She really talks about her trials and tribulations, you know, and the part of the LGBT community. And it's a, it's a really good interview for anyone who's going to listen. I would recommend that. Uh, it was very touching, some of her stories. Uh, Carnage, and then making her long-awaited return to the United States, Ludark Chetain. 
So that's a that's a cool tournament. You know, some different people in there, and some, you know, mixed in some quality talent. I think that should be a really good show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's just a lot going on, and I, I I don't know when did we start doing this show. Do you have any idea? A while now, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I'm just kind of wondering, did we go through the, the deathmatch season already? Because, um, man, there's just a lot of shows, and when the you know when the when the deathmatch season starts, when the tournament season starts, it's just gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's crazy. Don't you love um, it? Yeah, not bad. I do. Um, a couple comments I want to make. Number one, I'm sad Addy Star had to pull out. I think Addy Star is. I don't want to say can't miss talent, but she has a lot of charisma, and I, I agree. the couple matches I've seen with her, she actually pulls off the intergender thing very well. Um, she does. And uh, I want to say Raven Havoc. I think that Raven Havoc is a dude. Um, I'm just being real blunt. You know, the main match that the main match I saw by I saw with him was against Jeff Cannonball, and I thought they put on a an awesome death match. I think for a guy, um, I don't know how long he's been wrestling. Um, I think it's two years. Two years. Okay, so not long. Two years. He's from the southern area, right? North Carolina. North Carolina. So it's so it's hard to get seen and all that type of stuff. I think his gimmick is a little cheesy and a little corny and all that type of stuff. But that's a dude that I'm telling you now, Raven Havoc. If he keeps going, if he keeps improving, when he finds that little spark that puts it all that creates the the, the package. I think Raven Havoc is really going to be someone crazy on this scene in in like a year or two. So. I agree. I agree. You know, and we talked about these deathmatch tournaments, and there's a few other ones too that really haven't announced too much yet. But you have the Lords of Anarchy. Um, I went over the lineup a few weeks ago, so I'll wait before I go through that again. Um, Primos uh, in September in Colorado. They haven't announced anything yet, but they should be soon. And then in December, UEW has a Sovereign Slaughter. So there, there's a lot of tournaments coming up. Uh, NGI, we know, will be somewhere in there, too. So there's definitely a, a lot of shit going on, you know, a lot of deathmatch tournaments. We've already had some this year. We've had a couple in the U.K. You know, we had a deathmatch survivor in BJW. We've had Hardcore Kingdom already. Uh, Mexico had the uh, AKE tournament uh, with Sequel Play and, and Medeo Extremo in the finals. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, we've got the Russian Slavic Violence 1.50. Uh, Let's Not Burn Down Moscow show coming up. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of shows coming up. Did you up see somebody on that thread shows. post that they found unexploded World, unexploded World War II shells that, that they're going to bring? Outstanding. I'm joking. Because I'm joking. <laughs> oh, damn it. I, I believed it. You had me sold. I wouldn't have, after they burned down the ring in the first show. That totally wouldn't have surprised me at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it was a test to see how wild you think this is going to get, and it passed. So it, it did. Yeah, I would have totally. You would have totally believed that. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be surprised if they had bears and they did like the old spear hunting with a bear and walked a six hundred pound fucking grizzly bear. You know, I don't know if you ever met uh, people from Russia, like psychos or anything, but I've met some Russians and some real crazy dudes from like the real outs, like um, the real out there portions of you know Canada. And there's just motherfucking bears walking around. They all tell me about it. They're like, bears. oh yeah, we get drunk in the park and the bears come. We throw rocks at the bears. The bears there's, chase there's, us. There's, there's bears where I live. Really? I have bears walk in the backyard. Absolutely. Oh my god! Yeah, there's there's wolves and bobcats where I live too. 
But do you th- but do you get drunk and throw rocks at them? No, no. I generally shoot over the head so they don't come near the house again. Okay, fair. <laughs> no, I don't want to hurt them, but I try to scare them away. Yeah. No, no. I don't get drunk and go out and wrestle with the bear or try to ride the wolf. I don't know. Uh, but uh, no, but they're they're there. I mean, it's a common thing. I'm up in the, you know the plateau in the woods, but uh, yeah, I don't go out and wrestle with them. Yeah, no. I had a friend named Leon who was rest- from some way out portion of of Canada, and he used to go to the to islands and build houses. Like he was, he hated me. He thought I was the biggest pussy that ever came down fucking Cunt Street. And one time <laughs> we went camping, and I'm like. So where do I shit? He's like, you dig a hole, Steve. But he was just telling me for hours <laughs> about, oh, there I was, fist fighting a grizzly bear, holding my fucking niece in in one arm and a bottle of Jack in my foot, and it's just like, like he like, he had the craziest story, like fucking That's stories a ever. Eagle flying down, landed on my shoulder, and <laughs> yeah, like, and right in the middle, the bear stopped. We had to sing the national anthem, and then a hockey game broke out. Oh, Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. So, and I and during all this, huh? A fucking moose came running through. Yeah. <laughs> he was telling me all about it, and then I've had some Russians that said similar things. So yeah, um, yeah. No, we're, we don't we don't necessarily encourage them where we live. We try to scare them away. Uh, but there is a lot of, of uh, brown and black bears. It's a big hunting community yeah. where I live. So there's a lot of people that go. I don't hunt bear, so it doesn't. I generally just try to scare them away. They go their way, and I go mine. All right, cool. You know, keep them away from the kids. But, you know, it's not as bad because we've lived there. When we first moved in where we lived, no one lived there for about 30 years. So the animals had really, you know, a lot of koi dogs and coyotes. Um, you know, you see bears. And so but they've generally, since I've started my business there and logging and whatnot, you know, you don't see them as much. But they're still out and about. You go, uh, you know, into my farther into my property and you still see, uh, you know, which is great. That's why I live there because I appreciate nature. Mm-hmm. I love having the animals around and be able to, you know, take my little kids out and feed deer, you know, with their hands, which you're not going to ever see in the city. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to go out and feed a baby deer. I, so uh, I appreciate it. That's why I live in the woods. I don't even, I don't know what the last animal I even saw was. I live in the city. That's all I got to say. A big rat. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't have rats. I'm trying to think. Like, there's some cities that might have deer in, like, the parks or something. But, like, I don't even see, like, birds. Like, I don't know. When you live in a city like this. I've never seen a Chinese deer before. What do they look like? Yeah, they're just deers. There's actually a city near, uh, when I lived in Inner Mongolia. This is probably so boring, but bear with me for one minute. So, um, when I lived in Inner, Mon- Inner Mongolia, most of my students came from another city called Bauto. Bauto is Deer City. It means Deer City. It's a city with a bunch of deer in it. So I would assign my 52 fucking students the dumbest assignment ever. Where I would say, okay, pick one of these five topics and then do a PowerPoint presentation, and that's your final exam for your English homework. So it was like, tell me about your dream job. Tell me about your hobbies. Tell me about your hometown. Well, everyone pick their hometown. So imagine 47 PowerPoints on... <laughs> I am from Bauto. It is called Deer, called Deer City. Let me show you cities or let me show you photos of deers. And I'm I'm just like gouging my eyes out. Like I'm so fucking sick of these fucking deers. I'm going to be a falconer someday where I take falcon out and hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Give me one guy said telling me but... that. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, what are the Mongolian homes they call them? Yurks. They live out in the land. Yurks. I live in New York, and yeah. we really like to have dried milk. 
Did I ever tell you about smuggling meth across the border? No, I, I heard about the Mongolian hookers, but I don't remember the meth and the exorcism, but I don't remember the <laughs> meth story. Just no, I was in a yurt and they were smuggling meth across the Chinese border. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right, all right. One day I'll tell the whole story because it's kind of funny and it involves dogs chasing me and I had to jump into a jeep to get away from the dogs. Okay, he just sounds like Mongolia is the place to be. It, man, there's no laws up there. I keep trying to tell people like there's no laws. People <laughs> like they don't have cops. They barely have roads. So. Right. Um, it's okay. All right, going on. Um, one bit of news that's kind of U.S.-based, but then we'll get into some more international stuff. I want to go over this. Damien Abraham's never-ending uh, miniseries is finally coming out. It's going to be called The Wrestlers. Um, a lot of you guys probably first heard about this back in October of 2017 when Damien Abraham, he's in the Canadian band, uh, what's it called, Fucked Up, I think, and... Um, He's like ancillarily been involved in wrestling in one way or another for years. He does, he, you know, he's on the Review Away podcast with uh, John Pollock. He's done a lot of, of a lot of stuff. So he went to the Onita retirement show in October of 2017, and the word got out that he was recording a documentary of some sort. And um, uh, one second. And then shortly after he went on, he recorded a piece with uh, June Kasai, and I believe the Freedoms. Um, Jim, like their little office. I, I am pretty sure he did interviews with Sasaki, and I think he also did an interview with Tomoya Hirata, who was just who was just debuting at that time. Um, he went on. He filmed a bunch of shit with a bunch of U.S. companies. He filmed in Mexico. So this is going to be a ten-part series. Each episode will be about a different. I don't know, region or style or whatever, but I'm really excited for this. This is produced by Vice. They've been doing the Dark Side of the Ring uh, features. Which is really amazing, too. Yeah, I'm, I mean, everyone's been talking about I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I'm excited as shit for this. I expect this to be one of the really greatest profiles of wrestling. It'll have a big highlight on the Deathmatch uh, wrestling, and I'm stoked for it. So, When is it going to be released? No official date. But the fact that they're, they do they do have like a one-minute teaser. Apparently every wrestler he met, Damian Abraham would have him chop him. So they had a teaser just showing all of these chops in a row. And he, his big flabby hairy chest is flapping in slow motion. And it's a beautiful 4K, you know. Uh, but um, it looks cool. So no release date, but it's Vice. I feel like Vice, they just wake up and they're like, what's on the schedule? Nothing. Ah, put out that wrestling thing. You know, yeah, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm excited to see this, and uh, you know, Dark Side of the Rings been doing well, so I'm talking about ending that too. Um, I've watched all three episodes, and uh, you know, the Montreal school job was cool, the Bruiser Brody one was amazing, uh, the Randy Savage one, and Elizabeth was really good. Next week is the Von Eriks, so I'm really interested to see that one too, because obviously, you know, dealing with a lot of dark stories of uh, professional wrestling, and you know, I love them see their intake on the Von Erichs. Definitely be interesting. Yeah, that's the one that of all of the like, so a lot of media people, like you know, your Dave Meltzer's and Wade Keller's, they got previews of most of the episodes, and they all said that the the when the first round of previews went out, they were all like, oh, the Brody one, you got to see the Brody one, and now like, no, the Von Erich one, that's the one you really got to see. So it's exciting for I'm me. Sure um, like I wouldn't be so interested in, like the Macho Man episode. I just wouldn't be that interested. But Brody, Von Eric. I didn't think I would be, but it was really good, the yeah. Macho Man one. 
because you know it talked about tragedy and him and Elizabeth and a lot of inside stories of their relationship. And uh, yeah, I didn't think I would be either. In the screw job one, I didn't think I would be either. But showing that supposedly that Jim Cornette was actually the uh, person who came up with the whole screw job idea. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was interesting. They really both were. I mean, uh, you know, I obviously didn't think they'd be as great as those. I mean, Brody was the best one, I think, so far, by far. But the, the Randy and Elizabeth one just was very dark. And it showed their whole relationship. And it, it kind of put them in a different light. And, uh, yeah, so far they've all been produced well. And uh, they're, I really like the, they'll get lookalikes and they'll do, like, scenes into it. And it's really a, a good show. I can't recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. So cool. So we got that, that coming makes- up. Um, not to be funny, I'm not being funny when I say this, but there are a lot of documentaries about the deathmatch scene right now. Um, do you yeah. off the top of your head, like, can you kind of run down all of the documentaries that are coming out in the next year or so? Oh, probably not, but I know the hard way will be coming out. We've had him on here before, Jeff Waldridge. Uh, you talked about the wrestler. God, I don't know what else is I coming actually out. have a bit of bad news that you probably don't even know. That interview, so we recorded a 30, 40-minute interview with Jeff Waldridge, the guy the guy who, who produced, uh, who's producing Hard Way, which looks like, I mean, no shade to any of the other ones, but this one looks like the one that I'm most trying to see. Um and that was right around the time when you had your first, I believe, the car accident. And uh-huh. uh, it totally got lost into thin air, and it's gone forever, and it never aired. So, Oh, no. Jeff, if you're <laughs> listening to this, I'm sorry. It mostly falls on me. Uh, but if you want to come back on the show and talk hard way and documentaries, anytime the invitation is open. So. I'll get, I'll get them lined up again because I was just on a panel show with him not too long ago. He was awesome. uh, he was on a John Gray show, so I'll uh, I'll reach out to him again because I definitely think he uh, he deserves a forum from us. Super cool, and, and yeah, guys, check out you know check out the uh, uh, the roundtable shows that Mike's doing with guys like John Gray who have a lot of experience and knowledge about wrestling who have a lot to say. So definitely check out all those yeah, shows. Through- Doing our uh, our first great debate this week, so that's going to be a cool show. Um, it's going to be John Gray, myself, uh, Max, my co-host from some shows, and Leon, uh, my co-host from a Double Hell show. And uh, you know, I drew up like fifteen or twenty topics, and we're going to just debate and break them down. And it's just kind of interesting to hear everyone's ideas. And we're going to invite some wrestlers and promoters on future shows. So we're kind of going to make this, uh, you know, not something we do every week, but maybe once a month. Cool. Um, okay, so we were talking we'll documentary. Steven on one of our shows. Yeah, one day I got time here and there. Uh, as long as I don't <laughs> have to watch any actual wrestling, I'll be great. Just no, watching. you don't. You don't have to watch anything. It's all your perspective of uh, how you watch wrestling growing up. You don't have to watch anything. Oh, perfect. For anyone who wants to hear my thoughts on wrestling without ever watching it, check out the Wrestling Bubble. Um, okay, any other American news? Because I got a bunch of UK and Japanese stuff to kind of go over. Is there anything else that you can think of? No, no, I think that's uh, the majority of uh, what's going on. I think we covered the forum pretty good. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, okay, so going on to UK, um, sorry, guys, I didn't watch it. So the game of, of or I'm sorry, the Gods of Death uh, Rise Deathmatch Tournament came out. It's on Patreon for $10. Uh, we purchased that, so big ups to Rise. Um, I only saw the first two matches. It's literally, I'm staring at it in my browser right now. 
It'll get watched one day, but just not right now. And um, I'll make sure I watch it by our next show, so because we want to be able to sure we give Joe a good review because he's a real cool dude. So yeah, for the show, and uh, I'll make sure. Uh, I've actually been talking with their promoter about scheduling an interview too, so he might be someone I talk to soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, my initial impression, I do want to say real quick, there's a fans bring the weapons match. I think it's the second match that was really good. It was fast paced, good, good slugfest. I don't have tons of notes, so I forget the names of the guys in, in it. But it's the second match. It's a fans bring the weapons match. Um, and I want to say above all else, the crowd is fucking insane. Like it looks like the show started at eleven for eleven thirty at night, and the crowd is already just wasted. I mean, the crowd gives so much. We talked earlier about how the crowd makes a show, and even if the wrestling is like you know you know just not the best, if the crowd is going nuts, it's still a very easy watch just because it feels like a party, you know. So um, we'll try to get a full review of that for next show. Uh, yeah, I had the results from it too. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to go over, wait, sure. Uh, you want to do that? You want to wait till we go over it? Uh, let's wait till next week. Yeah. Yeah, because next week we have a lot to do. We have like the uh, Guan Guanato show to preview and all kinds of stuff. So, um, okay, uh, going on. I got some Japanese stuff. Um, let's go into results and upcoming shows. Um, the only real result of of note was uh, Freedoms ran their setup show on April 18th at Shinkiba. This was to set up the May 2nd uh, uh, Kurokan Hall show, which is the We Love Freedoms. Um, just it's a yearly show that they do, and that's what they call it. So um, in the main event of this show, Kasai and Takeda defeated Fujita and Fukumoto in a death match. Um, Kasai pinned Fujita. The, the clips I saw... This looks like a real bloodbath for a Shinkiba light tube tag match. I mean, this, this looks like one of the more crazy, simple death matches that you've seen in quite a while. Um, after the show, now Fujita had already challenged Kasai for the May 2nd show. So uh, after the match, Fujita went crazy. He wound up cutting, you know, his hair is half black, half blonde. He wound up cutting the black portion. Now he's growing out the the left side of his hair is this big blonde thing and the right and the right side is kind of shaved so he's going for that kind of uh look uh they ran pretty much the same show a day or two later same exact main event kasai beat fujita in the main event of that one as well that was in hiroshima i believe but um it's it's it's, it's a little interesting nobody takes fujita as a serious contender nobody because they're already i'll get to it in a second but they're already promoting the next championship match so I don't expect this to draw well. Fujita's not a big draw on his own anyway. He's Kasai's tag partner. He's not like a main guy. We've talked ad nauseum about the the real lack of 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 depth in 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 the Japanese companies that just arises from you know it's just hard to share talent. It's hard to develop talent. There's just not as much talent on the market. It's a lot harder for them to import talent due to visa laws and yada, yada, yada. So I don't expect the May 2nd match to do very good business. I'm just saying that right now. But this Shinkiba looks really good. Um, I would expect Fujita and Kasai to have a really bloody, disgusting match. So I do look forward to that. Um, also on the May 2nd show... We have uh, Takeda taking on Gen taking on Gentaro. This is Gentaro's twenty fifth anniversary match. 
So awesome to him. This should be mostly MMA based. You'll probably see some brawling and chairs, but I wouldn't expect much deathmatch or anything like that. And the only other deathmatch is uh, Fukumoto against Kamui. Kamui has already challenged Kasai to a deathmatch the next time they go to Osaka, I believe in June. I believe it's June, June 24th. And so this is just Kamui. He's going to go over Fukumoto. Fukumoto's Kane. You got to beat Kane before you get to the big dog. So that's all. So Kamui is going to take on uh, Fukumoto. Fukumoto right now is, to be completely honest, he's really, really bad. He's actually gotten kind of bigger. He looks just really unmotivated and bored. So I wouldn't expect much from that. You know, I was talking to someone. I was like, last year the Japanese scene was so on fire. And this year it's really dropped off a cliff. You know? I agree. So, um, but that is what's going on with Freedoms at the moment. Um, anything you want to say about those cards? Uh, no. Uh like I said, nothing uh, blows me away there, but uh, you know I'm definitely looking forward to uh, GCW coming over to uh, Japan, and uh, in the future that should uh, make for some interesting stuff. I keep on telling people, and they don't believe me. Um, and you know, maybe I'll be dead wrong about this. I mean, obviously, I you know, I and a lot of other people hope not, but I think they're going to go to Japan and they're going to blow people away. I mean, I agree. The production values, the logos, the like the whole package, and then you factor in the fact that I mean, if you look at any of these freedoms, Shin Shin Kiba shows, and Shin Kiba is a smaller place. It, it holds four hundred max standing room, right? Um, it's a smaller place, and it's used as like a setup show because you can't sell to Kirk and Hall every week. You have to run smaller shows in the Tokyo area. So Shinkiba is like the setup show usually, right? Right. It's it's all tag matches. You're never you're rarely gonna see a big blow away match. The fact that we had Kasai against Sakuda in a, in a singles match back in February, that was a big deal, and a lot of people and, and they sold that show out. You know what I mean? Um, but past that, most of these shows it's just tag match, tag match, setup match, rookie match, tag match main event. It's nothing big. It's just shit to fill up the card and whatever. Um, they're gonna be coming in with like you know I'm assuming if it's a if it's a standard GCW card they're gonna be coming with singles death matches up and down the whole show. They're bringing over big hungry great talent. You know they are gonna be I'm assuming there's gonna be Japanese guys on the card and it's gonna be the cream of the crop. I mean the, the I, I I expect GCW to really blow people away with these shows. So I think it's going to be the beginning of something special and hopefully something that's a long run. 100%. I mean, I, obviously the goal is that you can make this some type of yearly, if not you know, more type of thing is the obviously yeah, the goal. Uh, we need a CZW, BJW again, but a better CZW, BJW. Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple other notes. Uh, let's do Big Japan first. Uh, Big Japan announced that the so they signed. So one thing about Big Japan that a lot of people don't know, and maybe I've already talked about this to an annoying degree, but but Big Japan is a very big company. Freedoms is not. Freedoms is a fairly small. It's 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 like the tenth biggest uh, company in Japan. Maybe maybe the eighth or something. But it's not a big company whatsoever. Big Japan is a very big company. 
they if you wander around Tokyo long enough, you will find vending machines with the Big Japan logo on them. Like they own all these little pieces of small little businesses. They have lots of sponsorships. Here's another one: the May fifth Kawasaki show. Um, or I'm sorry, the uh, the Yokohama show. Um, the strong title match between Sakamoto and Okabayashi is going to be a Kengen Asura champion. Now, this is a sponsorship from apparently one of the biggest manga or Japanese comic books going right now. So they're going to have the manga creator and uh, uh, at the show, and he's going to present this um, sponsored championship to the winner of the title match. But this is a pretty big sponsorship deal for Big Japan. But these are just the things that separate Big Japan from Freedoms that I know, like, when I leave a Freedom show sometimes, um, the fans will be kind of doing the, fuck, B, fuck BJW, this is real deathmatch, blah, blah, blah. And I always got to be like, Big Japan, does, they don't really care. Like, they have casual fans. Like, they're like a big company, you know? So just kind of wanted to make a note of that. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Drew Parker and Josh Crane, they're going to debut on May 11th. At, at Kuroken Hall, they're going to team with Ryuji Ito against the Bloody Brothers. I think this is the best thing for them because Ito can lead the whole match and then the other guys have been tagging for so long, they know all of their tag moves in their sleep. So I think this is probably one of the better bookings for guys coming over for this type of a tour. Um, let's see. Um, Onita is coming back. Onita's coming back, guys. Thank God. I don't know what we'd do if Onita wasn't blowing up somewhere. He's going to return on <laughs> July 13th at Shinkiba. It's probably going to be a blast match. Because they can't have fire in, uh, indoors, what they do is they go outside and they blow up a bat outside the building. It's always kind of funny. And Onita is swearing he's going to have a blast match in Mexico in October with the crash. And he claims <laughs> he's got matches in the UK and Australia in the works. I know... I know companies in both the UK and Australia who have already made those phone calls. So who knows? But I'll let you comment in a second. But I just want to say one last thing. This is what Onita does. You meet Onita, and Onita says, "Hey, we ought to drive to the mall sometime." And you say, "Yeah, one day. Call me up sometime." And then I talk to Mike, and Mike says, "So you and Onita are going to see the Marvel movie on Friday?" You're like, "What? When did that happen?" That's what Onita does. So, will any of these happen? I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Um, uh, gosh, probably some will. I mean, I, like I said, there's promoters that want him to. Uh, uh, you know, it's hard to say, too, with his health. I mean, he just had those surgeries. He obviously wasn't able to wrestle in GCW. Um, I think he's at the age where he, he probably ought to stop wrestling for his own health. Um, he could still make appearances and hit someone with a bat, and fans would still be happy as shit to see him. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, um, I mean, his wrestling, he's just hurting his own quality of life. Uh, he's put his body through a lot of hell, and uh, it just doesn't hold up anymore. When he gets to that age, it doesn't heal the way it used to. So, I mean, I know fans are super excited to see Onita. Um, which is cool in appearance, but I need, I think would be great. I need in the ring, uh, really at this age, I mean, he does the multi tags, so the other guys can do most of the work. It's not something I, that I would go out of my way to have to go see, but it's definitely an appearance by need, I think would be awesome. Uh, one, one person who's done dealings with him just kind of mentioned to me, they were like, he's bored. 
he's just bored. Like, he's sitting around in some little village with his mom, and he, he goes fishing. You, you know, it's like, man, if he wants to blow up, let him blow up. It's like, if I'm 80 and I want to eat hamburgers and, and smoke cigarettes all day, let me. If Onita's 62 or whatever and he wants to blow up, just let him go blow up somewhere. Just go on one of his famous Onita groupie binges or something. I'm sure there's other things he could do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So that's going Tell him to go to Mongolia. Yeah, it's dude, pretty wild there, I hear. I think he actually tried to set up a show in Mongolia back in the 90s. I would have to I go back and re-listen to those uh, shows with Bahu. Um, anyway. Um, I had that girls in Russia that did the absolute shits. Yeah. <laughs> so, just talking about that in the... Well, it hasn't been released yet, but I got a new Kawasaki Dream, and it's coming out probably next week. And we talk about the Russian shows, actually. Awesome. Um, one more Big Japan note that I skipped over. Uh, Kodaka and Miyamoto are going to uh, team up for the first time since uh, Kodaka got hurt. Um, they're going to take on Takeda and Sakuda in a light tube. and bring... there? Oh, yes, I am. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? You're cutting in and out. Uh, okay, let's... Yeah, uh, I can hear you now, but you might want to repeat that. Okay, great. So, uh, uh, okay, Isami Kodaka and Yuko Miyamoto, they're re they're uh, reuniting as a tag team for the first time since Kodaka got hurt last year when he broke his jaw. Um, it's going to be, they're going to take on Takeda and Sakuda at Kurokan Hall on April 30th. It's going to be a light tube and bring your own weapon deathmatch. We're going to see light tubes as well as, what, a big ladder, a sawboard of some sort, uh, shit to stick through your cheeks. I mean, this is going to be a pretty wild match, right. so. For sure. It's exciting. For sure. And uh, one last comment I want to make is going to be about Matsunaga. So um, I want to say this really quickly. So Matsunaga, and you, and you can probably comment on this as well, um, he wasn't on social media one year ago. And then I don't know what it was, like four or five months ago, he just popped up on Facebook, and I was like, hey, do you know this guy? Yeah, I know Matsunaga. Let's add fucking Matsunaga. And obviously, I've been to his steakhouse now, and I've got the photo with him. And all I want to say is, man, this dude has gone from zero to, like, 100 in the fact that now I see yeah. him everywhere. He's been posting and responding on a deathmatch cult like crazy. That's crazy. Joining. Yeah, he's been, uh, yeah, definitely... Uh, noticeable there, constantly liking things or commenting. Yeah. yeah, I was um I was in Japan with the guys from Grill 'em All. I should put them in the opening uh, plugs, but Grill 'em All is an LA burger joint with wrestling. You can go and check it out. But I was in J in Japan with those guys, and they went to see Matsunaga at the steakhouse, and they posted uh, photos, and Matsunaga was commenting on them, and I was talking to one of my friends. I was like. Man, Matsunaga really loves his fans, and 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 they comment. They go, uh, he didn't realize he had a big following in America. He just, he just didn't know, because to Matsunaga, he hasn't wrestled in like ten, fifteen years or something. To him, that's in the past. He's a he's known for being a steakhouse specialist. Now, I mean, his steak restaurant is very popular. It's on most of the bit. You know, if you dig around in like the things to do in Tokyo enough on the various travel websites, you'll find his fucking steakhouse. So to him, his wrestling career was, you know, fun, but it was in the past. And I don't know. It looks like he's getting itchy. Is all I wanted to kind of say. Oh, DCW, <laughs> bring in Matsunaga. He he's a 
from that era of Japanese wrestling, I know people, you know, Nita, Pogo, he's probably my favorite, the Danger Man. I really love this stuff in Wing, you know, FMW. I love this early Big Japan. I yeah, just love this look, uh, you know, him and Pogo, the constant fire feud. Yeah, I was a big Matsunaga fan. I, I really, uh, I like the Danger Man. Um, he, he meant so much. I mean, I don't know what it was about him, but he was so charismatic and you couldn't take your eyes off him. And he ushered in so many of the deathmatch tropes that we use now, you know, um, he also ushered in a lot of tropes we don't use now like crocodiles, but he did, you know, he did a lot for deathmatches in a big way. Um, I don't know if he, Mike. Did he invent the balcony dive? He was the first guy to, to dive off the Kuroken Hall balcony, but was he the first guy to dive off a balcony, period, that you know of? That I know of? Well, mm, no. No. Uh, 91 Tri-State show. Uh, Mondo Clean, Larry Winters. Larry Winters went off the balcony. Okay. But he's probably the, the one who was the most noticeable. Yeah. Matsunaga. And uh, I think, you know, the first circus death match, too. Yeah. That's a sure. gimmick I would like to see come back once in a while. I was always a big fan of that. So, um, uh, one last thing I just kind of wanted to comment with that. So, obviously, you said it. You're like, hey, GCW, bring in the Matsunaga, right? He's only 53. I thought he was a lot older than that because, you know, Onita's in his 60s. But, um,. I've seen him in person. He's skinny. He's a lot thinner than he was, but so is Masato Tanaka. But um, he does wear a real hefty knee brace. Um, I don't know if he can really do spots, but here's what I was thinking. Mike, how much would you pay, and it might be $0, how much would you pay for a pre-show VIP steak meet and greet where Matsunaga cooks a steak dinner for the fans and does a meet and greet after. How much would you pay for this? Oh, jeez. $350, dollars <laughs> don't, don't shut up. Don't say that too loud. I was going to say 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh. Lauderdale's thinking, huh? Yeah. It's okay. Um, yeah. That, that was my idea. I was like, hey, if you're going to bring in the guy and he can't do a match, you know, he can run in and hit somebody with a bat and shit. But what can you really do with him? I'm like steak, steak dinner, lunch, or you know, steak pre-show steak dinner. That's what came to my mind. Get a venue that's got a kitchen. It's not hard, and you know, just let him go. But anyway, um, that's all I got. Uh, Mike, is there anything else that you want to add to this before we kind of wrap it up? I want to talk about my hall of death a little bit, real quick. Do we have ten minutes? Absolutely. Minutes. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so I do an annual Hall of Death every year. Um, last year was cool because a lot of the guys got involved. This year I'm going to have a lot of guys uh, doing video intros again. Uh, so, you know, the wrestlers are appreciative, and I do some interviews. And a lot of them reach out to me, which is awesome uh, because, you know, there's not a lot of – and I write up a bio, and we do a show. So uh, this year we had 17 people – well, 17 inductions. There some, this is the first year I allowed tag teams. Factions. So what I do is I kind of do a yearly quota, and if you don't get enough votes, uh, kind of similar to Meltzer a little bit, if you don't get enough votes, you fall off after uh, you know a year or two. I'll actually be putting out next year's probably shortly after this the voting for next year, so there's a long time for people to kind of get into it. 
So the first induction of this year, his first year of eligibility, is definitely a, a given was a bulldozer Matt Tremont. Uh, I mean, really, he's won every tournament. He's uh, obviously kind of held a death match on his shoulders for years when it was uh, when it was down and out and whatnot. When it was down and out and whatnot, uh, you know, I don't really need to explain why Matt Tremont should be in there, right? Yeah. No, absolutely not. I mean, Second. I think Tremont is. When you think of American Death Matches, he's kind of he's top five, maybe top three. So. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, the next one is the Hate Club, uh, and it's the complete Hate Club: uh, Nick Gage, Nate Hatred, Justin Payne, and Wife Beater. And this will be Gage and Wife Beater's second induction. Um, they were in a solo. Um, but really, I love both factions of the Hate Club. Um, people are like, why don't you put Dewey in and Max Mac? And eh. I go just for wrestlers now. Maybe next year we'll, we'll, we'll include managers. We'll see on the ballot. Uh, my third one is, is uh, Nate Hatred. Uh, obviously, he, you know, he passed away, but uh, he was uh, on the uh, lineup. And uh, definitely uh, someone who, you know, impacted uh, early CZW. And whatnot. Yeah, he's a guy so, that uh, um, if I feel like if his career kept on going, and I, I don't know what issues led to his, to his career slowing down. I have no idea, but um, yeah, if he would have kept on going and CZW kept on going at at at, at the speed that they were, were going, he definitely would have been a much bigger star than what he wound up being, which was still a pretty big star attached yeah. to the glory years of the company. And and you know he really made a cool little comeback in GCW. Uh, that NGI one him and Masada had a fucking brutal match. I mean it was brutal. Uh, and then Nate would have that match with Slack. Uh, you know he'd come out and you know had a match with Bryant Woods. He had some cool stuff. You know right before he passed. You know some kind of gifts. I felt like he gave us in in GCW. And, you know he was a big part of their Howl kind of days. You know the Howl show. So it's cool that he got that last. Little forum um, before he passed. My last um, memories of wait, my last memories of Nate Hatred were of Schlack fucking throwing him off the top rope and killing him. Right. And on video, Nate Hatred just saying real softly, "Give me a minute, give me a minute, just give me a minute." <laughs> so that's yeah. my my last memories of Nate Hatred. Yeah, gone too soon. Uh, next is a, is a tag team, and they're both inducted before as singles. The Tough Crazy Bastards, uh, Toby Klein and Necro. I mean, Jesus, these fucking guys. I remember them doing so many matches barefoot. You know, they had their great wars with uh, VOD, Bakugajin. They had a great match with Homicide and Loki. Uh, they had great matches with the, the Kings of Wrestling in CCW, too. Uh, great matches with the Hate Club. I mean, Jesus. These guys in Justice Payne, Nick Gage had a three-match series, and uh, they just tore the fucking ECW arena down. I mean, the Tough Crazy Bastards are an amazing tag team. Uh, you know, two really great deathmatch workers. And they're even better opponents. You know, whenever they got together, it was like fucking a war zone. Uh, watch out for your VCRs, you know? It was really interesting how much those two immediately, like, once they faced off the, the first time, it was just... I'm trying to think. It was like Rock and Austin. It was just two guys who were made for each other, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, great partners and better enemies. <laughs> uh, the next is the Messiah. Obviously, XPW, CZW royalty. Um, 
you know, crazy story where it's dumb. I did an interview with him. I'll be releasing soon. Three hours. It's a great interview. Um, you know, he's XPW world champion. Had a long run as CZW world champion. Uh, really cool wrestler. Number six is the guy we were just talking about. Uh, you know, you can get Steven's $30 dinner or you can come for my $350 dinner. Uh, we'll be serving Kobe beef and my Matsunaga. $350 dinner. Steven will be serving Walmart beef. <laughs> well, I don't eat but meat, so I'm going to find some kind of Boca okay. patties that are going to fucking, gonna do fucking piss vegan, off the whole group. Yeah, you'll, you'll be... You'll give me some more business for my 351, so that'll be that'll be a good thing. Uh, so definitely the American Danger Man, Metronaga, um, you know, what do you say? Wing, FMW... Big Japan, I mean, just just amazing stuff. We just talked about him, so I'm not going to beat it to death. Number seven, uh, another uh, Japanese legend, FMW legend, Hayabusa. You know, uh, definitely was the ace after Onita. So many great matches, you know, did a lot of explosion matches, and just a, a real big scene in Japan. Uh, a tragic ending ended into his career. Uh, very sad the way that went about. Uh, he had really a lot of good years in front of him, yeah, so it was very sad. I think the real uh, country. Well, I want to say the real contributions of Hayabusa because if you look at his career, you know Bahu kind of went over it uh, and really put it into perspective. But Hayabusa only did like four death matches in his entire life. You know, he did the match against Onita and then a couple brawls with some barbed wire and stuff. But what Onita, yeah. or I'm sorry, what Hayabusa did was he got eyes on FMW and. You know, he was a huge gateway into that world in the same way that, like, Rob Van Dam got eyes on a company, you know? So, um, sure. you know, even if Hayabusa wasn't a, quote, de quote deathmatch legend, he was a, a legend right there yeah. with it, and he got all those eyeballs on it. Well, you don't have to be a deathmatch legend. I mean, it's all death, but we have people like Bruiser Brody in it. Uh, you know, there's definitely a, you're impacting that hardcore scene and impacting, and yeah, Hayabusa definitely, you know, put FMW up and uh, a major exposure to them and a, and a great wrestler. Number eight, uh, Vortex, uh, you know, part of that Pound Dragons, the guy who won TOD. Um, you know, biggest thing to hurt Scotty was a lot of, uh, Times where he would stop wrestling and then come back, but him and Danny had exciting wars. He had some matches with Drake. Uh, good guy, really good competitor. Uh, what Scotty Vortex memories do you have? My main Scotty Vortex memories are going to be against J.C. Bailey at the TOD when they had the five hundred and nine thousand fucking light tube death match. Um, but Scotty Vortex, there. yeah, oh yeah, uh, oh really? Were you? I was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was about 100 degrees that day. Uh, it was. Uh, I was on a side with no tree. I was in the sun. I drank so much beer and water, but I was still so dehydrated. I don't think I pissed for two days. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. My little. I also. Uh, it was the last. You know, JC's last match. I got to hang out with JC and Drake in the parking lot and had a few beers. So that was kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, Scotty was uh, part of those glory years of CZW with Drake Younger and Danny Havoc, and he had all those wars with you know all of those guys, Nick Gage. Um, he almost fucking got killed in that one uh, spiderweb death match where the glass fucking tore him to pieces. Uh, yep. So there's that. He had great matches against all of those guys. I mean, when I think of IWA Mid-South and CZW in that glory year of like 2003 to 2009 or whatever, 
Scotty yep. Vortex is one of the first names that pops into my head. For sure. No, he had very athletic matches, too. You know, uh, he was part of that uh, hybrid wrestler that would come to kind of change death matches for the better. You know, we'd go from, uh, you know, no offense to Mitch Page, but Mitch Page and freaking somebody else just stabbing each other to death to guys who would really wrestle, too. Yeah, guys like, you know, Spider Boudreaux or John Rare. And we've evolved (laughs) from there, you know? Right, well, most of the country has evolved. There's a small section in Tennessee that's still uh, stuck in, like, circa 1995, stab them and go. Hopefully the veil will be lifted from there someday and they'll discover this amazing thing called hybrid wrestling, not uh, stab and go. So number nine is CZW legend Lobo. I mean, really, how many amazing Lobo spots were there early CZW? Him and Zandian going off the cage, you know, the exploding board match, the ridiculous no-rope barbed wire match with the wife beater, him and Pondo. You know, people people think about unfucking believable and it was an amazing show. I was there, too. Uh, you know, with uh, June Kasai and whatnot. But the main event tonight was Pondo and uh, Lobo in a ladder or a barbed wire match. And they took one of the nastiest bumps off that ladder into the barbed wire. And, and really, if it wasn't for the June side before, that match was amazing, too. So many people just forget about it because June just destroyed his fucking body. Well, the other the part of it before. was, like, it took, like, what, 90 minutes to set up the barbed wire or something? No, it wasn't that long. I just remember yeah, after the show, I mean, I'll take your word for it, but I remember after the show, and even on video, like, half the crowd left because they were like, we just saw the best match in the world. It it, it was probably 35 minutes. I mean, it took a while, but it wasn't 90. But yeah, they did leave. But really, that match was phenomenal, too. That was... You put that alone on another card, we'd be talking about that more. But they just had to, you know, the displeasure of following them. Uh, You know, the amazing feud with Zandig, Age of Death coming off the spots. I mean, Lobo took some amazing spots. He obviously is a guy who didn't wrestle a lot. He took long periods in between. But really, he was a CZW original. Um, and I thought he had a you know great career for what he did have. Um, I think Lobo's a guy who um, I'm never going to, like, there's no, well, I guess you could say the Zandig matches. Um, I think it was a great heel for Zandig to play off for that whole year-long storyline. Because those two, again, they just clicked and had the right matches. Lobo was a bump machine for Zandig in every way. He destroyed his leg doing it. Um, As a wrestler, I'm not going to say he was the tops or anything, but he was the right guy for what the company needed at that point, which was kind of like a Tommy Dreamer. You know, someone who's going to bump. The fans can kind of rally with him. Um, You know, he before his leg injury, he had some pretty good stuff going on, but that leg injury really killed it. And CZW wasn't at the place where I think, you know, he wanted to risk long-term damage to his knee and keep on going sure. with the company at that point. Sure. But um, what do you think of CZW? It's Logo, Beater, Gage, Payne, and Zandig. And then uh, Blade. You know, that's the that's the original Z- uh, crew. Absolutely. You know, and, and Beater actually came in about six months after. He wasn't an original trainer. He was actually trained by Pitbull Gary Wolf. Mm-hmm. Well, the originals were what? It was like TCK and Domino. TCK, and... Lobo. No, Domino. Domino was long before them. Right. He wrestled. Uh, he only did one show for them, or two yeah. shows. Well, Derek I'm Domino of, yeah, was with Harley one. Lewis. What's that? I was just thinking of the first show. You know, the... Yeah, the first show, yeah. It was the, first, the first students were TCK, Gage, uh, Lobo, and uh, Payne, and then Rick Blade. 
Hey, and then we help, bring in like, the white beater. Help me out. Obviously, I haven't seen this in forever, but um, in that first show, did they set fire inside the building to like a wooden stage? Yes. Fucking stupid. Yep. <laughs> yep. I remember even as a kid thinking, did they just set a wooden stage on fire and then crash through it and there was smoke everywhere in this enclosed yeah. building of 100 people? Yeah, they're lucky that their first show wasn't their last and we're talking about it in a tragedy where they burnt on the, you know, we shit on the Russians. At least they're outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, also... maybe we got to relook. You know, when we're about to shit on Alex and the Russian crew, maybe we had to look at ourselves, too, before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I remember a uh, fucking WX going up like a fucking torch barbecue man. running yeah. around the fucking arena. looked like the Burning Man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I know that Alex was on fire, too, but WX was, like, fucking engulfed. And he was running uh, through fans, too. Absolutely. Running inside of stage. At least the Russians were smart enough to be outdoors. Yeah. And they had a pool of water next to them. By but, accident. But. You know? Yeah, but... One more not. Lobo spot. One more What's Lobo that? spot. Now that we're jogging the memories, I keep in mind, guys, I had this shit. I used to tape trade with Z-Bar to get my CZW tapes. I would have my Big Japan tape sent to Z-Bar. He would make a dub of the Big Japan tape for himself and then send me the Big Japan and that month's CZW. And that was my monthly thing anyway. Um, but there was one CZW show where, man, they had Lobo and somebody else come off the 35-foot-high building onto the roof of a semi-truck. Am I imagining that, or did that happen? Ah... Uh... Oh, God. I People, think it did. Head to Twitter and see if you can show. find a clip of this. I swear to God, this happened. So yeah, I'm just trying to think what show it was. It was one I'll of those first couple, of like three, myself. like four, five, six shows. It was definitely in the first yeah. five or six. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost think it was him and Justice Payne. That sounds but right. Yeah, because him and yeah, Justice because they were in the cage of death. Yeah, they had a long feud early on, and him and Nick Gage did too. So if you go on them early shows, there's some really cool stuff with him and Justice, and some really cool stuff with him and uh, Nick Gage too. Yeah, you know, from, from the early early stuff. Uh, him and John Cronus had a crazy Cactus Jack or Cactus No Road Barbed Wire match too. With uh, I think Pondo was the other one in that yeah. match. Yeah, yeah, it was Pondo. But, uh, there's, so there's definitely a lot of cool stuff out there to check out with Lobo. Do you know the one match, not to get too off on tangent, I'm just jogging all of these great memories, but I'm going to say mine, and you can say whatever, but if there's one match that completely changed the course of CZW and turned CZW into what it is now, it was Bloodbath 2000, the lights go out, the lights come on, and it was Ian Rotten versus Pondo. And up until then, CZW was kind of what CZW is now. It was a student show. And this right. was the first time where it was like, no... At the time, this may shock people, but Pondo and Rotten were the premier deathmatch talent in almost the world, practically. I mean, they were really sure. big. They toured all over. You yeah. know, they toured in all over the United States. Uh, you know, and they'd been doing it 95, 96, 97. So that's a couple of years before that, yeah. you know, for sure. You know, they did stuff in Philly, it's a Walt Whitman truck stop in New Jersey, Ohio, Minnesota. Indianapolis, Kentucky, and also they they were on a lot of those er, those early uh, uh, cable trash um, uh, commentary shows where they show a clip and sure. then commentators just you know make jokes about it. 
they would show those on those early court TV type shows, you know? Well, yeah, and Ian obviously still at that point was was only, you know, four or five years removed from ECW. Yeah. With Axel, you know, and they had a big, and it really, uh, if it wasn't for that kind of stuff, who knows where we would have been with death matches. I mean, they introduced Taipei, they introduced the barbed wire. Uh, you know, in America, they, uh, their bats, they, they, you know, did stabbing each other. They did a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but so, yeah, so that bloodbath two 2000, it was the first time that light tube, well, they, they had light tubes in the cage of death, but it was in like a fixture. It wasn't a big deal, but they had light yeah. tubes. They had the scissors. And I remember when that match ended, that was like on the message board. It was like, you guys got to see this shit. So um, oh, I think that really nasty, kind of beefed it up. Nasty stab wounds with those fucking scissors to the arm. Nasty. Ooh, yeah, nasty. nasty. You know, I remember the CZW. You know, talk about crazy shows. I remember the Pyramid of Hell show. And uh, you know, if you watch the show, they got the ring set up, with tables, on fire, and Justice Payne leaves. Like, well, where the fuck did he go? He jumps through the skylight of the fucking building. Do you remember that? Of course. That was another one of, the, of those shows where they... It's like you see this glass breaking from above. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And here comes Justice Payne through the fucking skylight. Well, before that, you're 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 underselling this big time. They put Lobo on top of the pyramid. I'm blown away. Yeah. There are people who have never seen this spot. This yeah. shit sold tapes, man. This one spot. Oh, yeah. And people didn't even see I, gifts of it. They only heard about it, you know? Yeah. I think they were crazier in the beginning than they ever were Bro, in the latter years of CCW. They're they did in, not. I mean, Rick Blade almost dying from that one jumping off that fucking top of that building that and missing. Bu- well, so did Gage. Gage almost died Bro, at the same spot. Yeah, yeah these fuckers, they, they were coming off of buildings and through skylights and ten tables on fire. Dude, okay, table, so hold on. So, tables. dude, they're indoors. They are indoors. And just when Marcus Crane set that fucking table on fire in L.A., imagine that times five. They literally had five, not like a WWE flaming table with like some patterns of the lighter fluid and it goes out before the guys even touch the table. I mean, motherfucking pyres of fire indoors. Like. And, and sometimes they throw glass panes between them or fucking light tubes. Yeah, just uh, their early years, they really should remaster that shit and do like best ofs. Because uh, their early years are fucking, I would really strongly suggest people to go back and watch them, um, you know, on their network or high spots. Because uh, they did some ridiculously crazy shit that people don't even know of now. They, they well, So many people discovered ZZW like 2000, 2001, you know, when they were in the Philia and shit. They are missing out. They're, they did well, ridiculous. Know... I'm not surprised they're alive yet. Yeah, I know, especially Zandig. But I know yeah, there was a pop a... machine. Point. Well, I think of all the matches where like he had his fucking arteries torn out of his body and shit, like yeah. crazy it's stuff. Just ridiculous shit. I know there was a point a long, long time ago where they posted they stopped selling tapes because they openly said they were like, "Look, we we ruined our masters and we don't have backup masters," and they actually quit selling tapes. So I don't even know if there is anything to remaster. I have no idea. Um. Well, I mean, they have the shows, so it seems like they could remaster the digital stuff, couldn't they? 
I don't know. Like, are are those shows on? Um... Oh yeah, oh yeah. If you go on to their CZW studios or high spots, mm-hmm. they've got just about all the early shows. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't yeah, know. I just there's... know back in the old days they they quit selling them, but but this was like two thousand three or something. So yeah, I do a, I, I, while we're talking, I'll go on to one of them sites too, and uh, just tell you like some of the shit that's on the first thing. But uh, yeah, that shit's all gold. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, I mean it's just uh, you know amazing, amazing stuff. And it's so like you said, and so many people don't even aren't even aware of it and whatnot because uh, they just weren't a fan. That you know, I was going to those fucking shows uh, early on. And, uh, you know, I remember seeing CZW at the ECW shows. Uh, they were selling the VHSs at uh, the fucking table there. And one of the guys, Doug, used to work there. You know, rest in peace. He passed away years ago at the RF video. Um, he would turn me on to this new show. Oh, check out these fucking crazy guys in Philly. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then I eventually would go to their shows. You know, same place I'd see the big Japan stuff or XPW. You know, you'd see this shit early on. And it's like, uh, holy shit. You know, you'd get all... Uh, you know, you get into it, and then uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm buying her tapes. And another really good source, too, was, remember the WoW magazine? Oh, yeah. I had yeah. all, like, what, yeah. three issues that came out? Oh, no, they put out, like, 30 or 40 issues. I, I had still a got bunch them all. Of them. I had a bunch of them, yeah. Boxed up. And, yeah, these great color pictures. Uh, I remember the one where they had Zandy tied the ropes, and they are burning them with wax and salt. And they show them coming off of cages and shit, and just uh, just amazing shit, you know, that they would show on these uh, fucking beautiful color. They had the ECW section, WCW section, WWE. They had the indie section. That was really one of my favorite magazines. Uh, yeah, wow, to read. It was great, and yeah, it was because you know you had you had PWI, but PWI was printed on like fucking phone book paper, you know. Yeah, and wow was. First of all, it was an oversized magazine, big, crazy, bright, glossy pictures. Wow, was great. I loved it. Absolutely. Without a date. So here I am, and I'm in CZW Studios, okay? Mm hmm. So I'm going to read off the very first page of shows Opening Night, The okay. Staple Gun, Barbed Wire Brawl, May Madness, where I can see him on. Oh, you know what? I think it's May Madness because I see him on top of the roof going onto a rider truck. Boom, I called the it. picture of the down in flames, flaming, flaming inside the building. <laughs> Street fight, flaming inside the building. Uh, Pyramid of hell, flaming inside the building. September slam, they go up on like a fucking scissor lift. Get out, uh, pain in the rain, cage of death one, the war begins. Bloodbath. Yeah, get CGW Studios just for that. I mean, for nine bucks, you can go through and rewatch all these early years. They've got so Cage to the End, The Living Hell. And in these picture promo pictures, I see so much fucking fire inside. Winner takes all. They said it couldn't be done. No rules, no limits. Uh, blood, sweat, and violence where they come off the fucking roof. That's the first page. Yeah. You know, that's almost... I looked at it once, and they had almost the first... Two years worth of shows, maybe minus one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, awesome stuff. Want to really get exposed to the craziest fucking CZW shit? You know, check out CZW Studios or High Spots. Um, they really have uh, uh, amazing stuff. Uh, and like we said earlier, you know, you know, Cage of Death Two rules are meant to be broken. Jersey rules. That's about the time the CZW guys started coming in. Uh, you know, I see to Jerry here in Delaware Invasion and crushing the competition and War Station 44 where they had that giant fire. Remember that? Inside oh, the fire yeah. hell. 
mean, that fire looked like Satan had come up from hell. Then I remember the one show where they had that five-way, too, uh, where it was like Lord Everett Door, but his wife beat her in Lobo. And they, they had another guy fucking... in the fire trapped in the fire, Felt yeah. It's Lobo. the fire. Lobo like burned his hair off. <laughs> He's lucky he made it through. Yeah, I'm looking at these pictures, and they're bringing back so much memories. Stretch and Smirna was such a fucking violent show. Unfucking believable That, you know, I was that, that Stretch and Smyrna show is what got him kicked out of Delaware for a long time. Because yeah. they yeah, fucking destroyed the building. Like, they had, well, like... Him, yeah. It got him kicked out of that building. They were back in Delaware the next month. Okay. For Brickway Brawl. But it got them uh, put in a different building. Yeah. And then it, they lost buildings after that because they did Hate Club Was Dead the month after that. But, uh, you know, who's great the boss? Show. There's other... Flaming tables outside. Yeah, really. Jesus, they said it couldn't be done again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably subscribe to this again because I haven't in a while. And just sit down and like watch CZW goodness. Uh, because those men, those, if you think CZW was nuts in the 2000s, you discovered it, you don't know shit. Mm. They were probably the craziest promotion in the world for a while. Hey, DJ, why don't you take a, why don't you spend $9, subscribe to CZW Studios? Watch your first year, and uh, then just close the company. I'll tell you why, because <laughs> in the nicest way possible, setting buildings on fire isn't good fucking business practices. <laughs> There's a reason Zandig sold the company, guys. It wasn't a fucking, uh, it wasn't a million dollar idea to set buildings on fire. It was amazing. Remember when they had that, they, they, they like... I think the champs arena at one point they bought into, and the owner didn't give a fuck because he was going to redo it. So they just tear the walls down on the shows. They go through walls, yep. and fucking everything. Absolutely. It was just, it was so I was at that was the first place I saw one of the shows was the champs arena. Well, that they were tearing down amazing. the walls. They were tearing down the fencing. I thought champs arena was yeah. such a cool building. Oh yeah. Because you had for yeah. me a cool building is if you have multiple tiers of shit to jump off of. Like he's gonna jump off yeah. the the hot dog stand. Oh, he's gonna yeah. jump off the wall. It's like there's multiple. He's gonna jump off through the fucking skylight into the building. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna get an airplane and parachute from fucking three hundred thousand feet into the. And meanwhile, Lobo's <laughs> on the table just waiting and waiting, right. and he's parachuting oh, down. Yeah. Yeah, a little second his phone for messages. Yeah. Just to Spain, just skydive through the fucking. Yeah. You know, no, no one had done that. They really, uh, they, they don't. God, they, they just set the bar so high. They did such crazy shit. It's amazing that one of them didn't die. Uh, just insane bumps. I mean, look at Nick Mondo. It cost him his career. Uh, they did just such. You know, Rick Blade fucked himself up good. Yeah. Uh, just such insane shit. But to go back and watch those, I mean, it's just like, no offense to the guys nowadays, they might do sicker, like, fall onto, like, scissors and shit, but they didn't jump off. The, the way these fuckers jumped off buildings, nobody touches that nowadays. He, like, it's like, yeah, we talk about, I mean, just kind of talking about this is really fun. Um, we talk about how GCW is, like, the craziest shit that's ever been and blah, blah, blah. Man, you know, they weren't even using light tubes like that back then. I mean, if you saw one light tube, it was like, whoa, shit, light tubes. And they were still like, I mean, fuck, dude. Like, if you watch those shows, man, fucking guts hanging out of people. People falling off buildings every show. Like, second-degree burns, like, every month. Yeah. They, like, lit shit on fire all the time. And like you said, these big fires, and they bumped in it. 
Like it looked like Lobo was gonna Lobo was gonna be burned alive in that one show. Yeah. I mean, it took him a minute or two to get him out of it. Well, I won't say a minute, but it took a spell. It seemed like a minute. In that five way, man, he was in that fire, dude. He Fuck was me. he was burning. His hair was tangled up in a barbed wire. Yeah, and I, I mean, was, you had people trying to get him out, but they're like they're getting burned yeah. trying to get him out. That's it took stupid. a while. It seemed like he was there forever. I mean, he wasn't. But it just seemed like, holy fuck. When you're on fire, man, like two seconds is too long. Then these fuckers would come back the next month. Yeah. And and and, and then and then have the balls to say, like, hey, that shit last month, that wasn't nothing. You know? Right, right. Let's begin to Skyline. What can we do this month? Let's try that scissor lift. Yeah. Go up to this fucking taller the building and jump off of that. And they had, it, yeah. not idiots, they had very talented people of sane mind with no addiction <laughs> problems ready to do all of it, man. Well, they probably didn't then. They all have addictions now. Yeah. <laughs> because of the pain from jumping in all these buildings and fucking, they were all young kids then. Yeah. Right out of high school. They probably weren't as bad as, you know, they wonder what these injuries are. Well, let's see. How many times can you jump off a building without fucking yourself up? Most people do it once and die. Call yeah. suicide. Well, look at <laughs> how many people. Like, I mean, I do want to get back to the Hall of Fame and wrap up in a second. But I, I, I do want to say one thing. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, Takamishinoku did a, a light tube death match. I don't know if a lot of people know that. But he did a six-man yeah. light tube death match in Big Japan a couple years ago. He got cut open, blood everywhere, bloody chest, bloody, bloody back, went through light tubes, did the whole thing. How many people do like one or two and they're like, that was fun, I'm cool. You know, and you have guys like Nick right. Gage. Like Nick Gage wrestled in the first CZW show and he's still going. He did have a little break, but still, right. like he's still going. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, some craziest shit. Most of those guys are retired and have trouble now. I actually just saw a picture. I'm sure that you saw the same one. Of uh, Johnny Cashmere. Yeah. Uh, he's doing something in the movies. He's like doing something with merchandising. So good for him. Interesting. Yeah. So let me jump back into this yeah, here. Yeah, go ahead. Number 10, uh, West Coast legend, uh, Supreme, uh, XBW. Uh, really, uh, you know, when you think XBW, you think Supreme. Uh, another bump machine uh, jumping off of balconies. Going off of 50-foot scaffolds. I mean, uh, they did some pretty wild shit in XPW, too. Uh, you know, early on. I don't think they were quite CZW, but, you know, they had a little bit of budget, and they did some crazy shit. They brought in a lot of talent. You know, your Sabus, your Abdullah Butchers, Terry Funks, and you had your guys that kind of came out of there, Messiah, Supreme, Chaos, you know, White Trash, uh, Johnny Webb, Homeless Jimmy. They definitely set their mark on the West Coast, you know, and they were competing with CZW, and then they came into Philly and exclusive rights to the arena, and then they fucked up when they got blood all over the commissioner's daughter in the women's room, which pretty much outlawed light tubes and crazy shit from the arena, which kind of sucked. But Supreme is definitely a guy who did it for a long time and occasionally would do something now, but he's, you know, had some pretty bad health. But he definitely deserves to be in there, too. He's a guy who toured with FMW. Not a lot of guys can say that. He was a... Tag champ in FMW. He did tours with big, uh, a tour with Big Japan. 
Uh, you know, mostly was on the West Coast. He did come out uh, early in Howell shows and do a match with uh, Matt Tremont. A lot of people can remember. Thoughts on Supreme? I watched XPW. They can't, they came on after e, after ECW on America One Television. That's where I, where, where I watched it. It was a big block. You had NWA Wildside. Then you had just thir- this thirty minute roundtable with Fat Rednecks reading the Observer. Then you had e, the, then you had ECW, XPW, and WCW Worldwide. So that was a big deal for me when I was twelve. I mean, like th- like. Uh-huh. This was the greatest block of television in, invented, you know? And um, <laughs> XPW, to me, was supreme. That was who it was. It was I wanted to watch those death matches. Messiah, I think, probably was like the biggest star, I would say. But Supreme, um, you know, let's be real. XPW is a joke. And I know there was a guy on a, on a, on Facebook who was kind of going off about and, and mad. He was like, look, I wrestled for the original XPW, and XPW was... Not a joke. XPW wasn't a joke. And Supreme transcended that joke. Supreme went on to have big-time matches in Mexico. You know, GCW brought him in. I would say that Homeless Jimmy, Supreme, and Messiah are the three who really shed past what XPW was and kept a pretty good career going forward. And Supreme carries a lot of weight when, you know, he. I, I'm pretty sure he's done now. But a couple of years ago, when he was popping up for tournaments and stuff, people would he, get hyped to see him. You know, he he's in better health now. I talked to him not too long ago. Um, he's in better health now. Maybe one more match before he retires. He's not sure. Was his last but, match uh, the one against Tremont? It was. I yeah. mean, that, that's he, as good as any to go he, out on. But go on. I agree. Yeah, he's a commissioner now in Crimson Crown, so he has like an on-screen role there. As their, as their commissioner, you know, his daughter, obviously. And also, while I'm on here, I, I just want to mention congratulations to Sage Supreme and her husband, Kyle. Uh, she recently found out she's pregnant. So that's awesome. It's her first child. So I just want to congratulate them. And, uh, you know, quick shout out to them. And uh, hopefully we'll see her back down the road. But, uh, you know, they wanted to stop and have a family and good on them. Rock and roll. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, next Japanese deathmatch legend, Abdullah Kobayashi. Uh, you know, a guy who really big Japan since day one was student. Uh, early on, crazy stuff with Hanama. Uh, you know, Matt Sanaga. Then into, he's been there through the whole thing. Uh, how many crazy light tube matches did you have with Hito and Jackie and Miyamoto? Or you just see him out there and taking his pants off and is like, diaper thing and fucking doing these crazy spots in the light tubes and just being fucking totally obliterated in blood, you know, him and Ishikawa, that ridiculously bloody match. There's just so many amazing Kobayashi moments, you know? How about you? What are your Kobayashi moments? He is probably, when it's all said and done, Kasai is going to be the... So when, when we're talking deathmatch... Wrestling, I feel like there's that line in the sand in the year 1999 when light tubes came into play. It because it, it changed everything. You know, everything just got so much more extreme. And I was like, you know, the old school. Of course, you're gonna have Onita and Funk and Cactus Jack and Kenemura and blah blah blah, Sabu, Hayabusa, etc. But once you hit that 99 threshold and everything changed, you, you know, I know in Japan it's gonna be not as you know people are gonna be more into the American stars. Kobayashi has probably sustained, along with Ito, 
the most punishment of anybody who does death matches. Look, guys in America might do what? 10 matches a month. These guys have been wrestling 20 plus matches a month, sometimes two or three matches a day in multiple cities since 19, you know, since 1995. He's been wrestling in in yeah. Big Japan since 95. He's been doing the death matches since like 2002. And I would say you're, you're highballing 10 matches a month if they're lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. most guys, I mean, no. I'd say and, more like seven. Yeah, I mean, you have guys like Colt 45 who might do 20 matches a year maybe. You know what I right. mean? And they're not even, you know, all doing death matches that much. Yeah. You know, Kobayashi, you know, doing fucking death match at house shows, you know. Yeah. After death match. After death match. 18-minute tag after team, death. 200 light tube cage death matches, you know. Um, if you took four years of Kobayashi at his peak, he's probably got more death matches than most American workers do in their career. 100%. I mean, I can't think of one guy who, if you use that analogy, four years versus your entire life, I can't think of one American guy who even comes close except for maybe Matt Tremont. <sighs> maybe. maybe. And that, and even that would be a stretch. I mean, and you got to include Ito. But Kobayashi, I do think Kobayashi had yeah. the better character. He came over to America sure. quite a few times. Um, he had a, a yeah, ca- Thomas CZW. Yeah, he had a, a whole fucking catchphrase, cocksucker. You know, oh. um, Kobayashi, top notch, still going. He's not that old. He looks like he's a, a hundred. Hope he finds. <laughs> he'll work for Big Japan forever. He'll be running the food or doing something. He'll work for that company <laughs> forever. But man, like after that last match, that bed of nails match, I mean, he's still going. So yeah, top notch from me. Big, big. Don't up. a bunch of those big Japan guys own like a moving company or something too? So what happened was when they were in dire straits uh, in the early two thousands, um, a moving company sponsored them. So they were like, "Hey, uh, okay. look, we'll put our logos all over your shit and your employees as part of the deal. We have a VIP package where the wrestlers will come and move your stuff." And that went on for quite a few <laughs> years, but that moving company kept Big Japan afloat for quite a while. Could you imagine Ito or Ito and Kobayashi and Jackie coming to your house all covered in scars and fucking to move your furniture? Oh my god! I mean, I would be like, "How many pizzas do I gotta buy you guys?" Because I. <laughs> well, for me and you, would be awesome, but I would say the layman who didn't know who the fuck they were would probably be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I've never me, seen. Amazing. Well, no, no. For these guys to come, it was a VIP package. You had to like buy. Oh, yeah, then yeah. people were probably loving it. Yeah, and but I've I've tried to ask a few people how much it cost, and um, you know, no one remembers specifically. But the one guy said he goes, it wasn't as much as you would think. It was like <laughs> an extra eighty bucks, and you got the wrestlers to come and do it. Huh. Well, fuck! I was just going to pay three fifty for dinner with Matsunaga, so Christ, I'd pay a fortune to have them come move my furniture. Well, hey, you I'm can not still even moving. Pay. No one's stopping you. Yeah, I'll fly my plane ticket. I'll just have to move the shit around and move it all back later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Ido went in last year too. So Kobayashi, you know, for this year. And Number one more 12, thing. Uh, uh, go on. I'm sorry. Oh, please, you go. Well, I was going to say, Ito and Kobayashi, along with Takashi Sasaki and Jackie Numazawa, those four wrestlers completely 
rebuilt the Japanese deathmatch scene. Kasai as well, yep. but Kasai wasn't put in the position that those four four guys were at that point in that company. But those four, without those four guys, I don't know if we'd be watching big Japan deathmatches right now. For so. sure. And Kasai, you know, took some time away too. When he went to zero one and whatnot. He was more different indies. He and he was hurt in that early two thousand five period. You know, he wasn't doing big matches at that point. He had hurt his knee. Right. So those four guys, I mean, you know, those four dudes just cycled in and out. Kobayashi, Ito, Sasaki, and Numazawa, as well as Kasai and Sekimoto and, and and Pondo and a few others. But it was those four dudes that really built what Big Japan became now. So Without a doubt. Without a doubt. There's so many classic matches too. I mean, those big Japan title matches for probably about three years were all gold. I mean, Just I can name fucking runs. ten of them right now into, like, specific sure. spots. I mean, this was back when people, I would pay, what, $16 for a VHS tape? And with inflation, that adds up to about $25 nowadays. So, yep. anyway. I used to get all the best of BJW at the uh, RF video table, ECW shows, and I would get different BJW like house shows every release. Yeah, just amazing shit. We used to always, uh, never, you know, the early years of BJW were very gimmicky, but then you got into those years. And then I found a guy, you know, early on with DVDs. I still have about 600 BJW DVDs just from all the house shows and the best of deathmatch wars and uh, the best of their deathmatches and all kinds of shit. Better times. Well, I mean, you know, now's great too, but I do long for the days of tape trading. It just made everything feel cooler. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Anyway, for sure. Now everyone can go on the internet. Not everyone could see that back then, and you were part of an elite class. That's kind of what I try to tell people. I'm like, you know, well, we can go out, go out with the Hall of Fame. We talk about tape trading a lot anyway, so you can go on. But it was fun times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number twelve. Uh, West Midwest legend, a guy who IW Mid South 2002-3. You know, he was always in their tournaments, semifinals, finalists. He went on to CZW, did some cool stuff. Started his own promotion, ICW, ran the Insane Eights, uh, worked in GCW. Just a kind of guy who I thought was a great worker and was underlooked a lot. Uh, was dysfunction. You know, I didn't think he always got the credit. He always was a great worker. He made people look good. He did a lot of really cool death matches, cool spots. I just never thought they gave him a form. I thought at some point he should have won a tournament. You know, they should have put him over in a real big tournament, and it just seems like they never did. Yeah, he's a guy. I never knew a lot about him. I knew he. I, I mostly knew him for his matches against Danny Havoc. Um, and um, you know, he had. Uh, you know, Dysfunction retired at one point. They brought him back into CZW to have a match against Danny Havoc, and Danny Havoc kind of said what you said just now. But it's weird that now with ICW, I feel like Dysfunction, I feel like this is the best run as kind of like a wrestler who has really good, solid matches with really good, solid guys and other companies. But by running ICW, he's giving a huge platform to guys like, you know, or invite and Cody Rice and stuff, but I think this is kind of like Dysfunction's real prime period now, actually. Um, yeah, as a promoter, he doesn't wrestle as much, but uh, just some of those ICW and MAW matches too. I left them out. We're so good. I mean, him and Ian Rotten is Ian fucking killing him. You know, him and Two Tough Tony. It's just uh, it's just a lot of cool stuff. But.
there people don't know and you should really check it out. Um, you know, he had a lot of, like you said, Danny Havoc, but even before that, I mean, he had so many uh, cool matches, you know, uh, with, uh, with a lot of uh, name talent, him and Corporal Robinson, you know, him and Ian Rotten, just, uh, you know, and he did so many death matches. He was so young. I mean, my God, he was 18, like the first King of Deathmatch tournament. I mean, he was a kid, you know, and he was such a part of Mid-South, too, you know, with the light heavyweight titles, you know, and there's uh, just so many uh, craziness matches, you know, in MAW, like I said, he was a champion. He had a great run there. You know, he was in so many of the King of the Deathmatch tournaments. You know, I remember him and Corp having a crazy light tube deathmatch, you know, cabins in 2004 tournament. Uh, you know, made the King of the Deathmatch finals a few times. Made one year with Masada, Thumbtack Jack, and Necro Butcher. You know, guy who wrestled out of Minnesota area, Wisconsin area quite a bit. Uh, you know, him and Nate Webb had a crazy match. No real barbed wire falls, got anywhere ladder match, and MAW Hardcore Cup. I just had a lot of stuff. I mean, I agree with you that he's become so relevant right now. Uh, and his promotion, I think, does a great, great job. Uh, but I really think, you know, uh, deathmatch-wise, uh, people just missed out and don't see uh, a lot of the crazy stuff he did back then. You know, him and Nick Mondo had a crazy ladder match in Neil Wrestling in Minnesota. Well, uh, cool. Uh, well, okay. What's up next? Uh, we should have a few more. It's a big class this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number 13, the second female to enter the uh, enter the Hall of Death after Mephisto is Mickey Knuckles. Uh, obviously, Mickey, uh, great IWA, Mitchell stuff. Her and Ian had some nasty matches. I remember her and Brain Damage had a crazy match. Uh, her and Lefisto, you know, it's a, she's definitely, uh, she was the first queen of death. Uh, even now, she'll pop up occasionally. She won the tournament last Last year, you know, going over Ludark, beating Sage, beating Maria Manic. Um, she'll still pop in time and time. Uh, a really good worker, too. I just think, uh, you know, she was just one of the people that really put American women's deathmatch wrestling on the map. Absolutely. Um, when I think of Mickey Knuckles, yeah, I mean, I would say she along, yeah, you said it all, along with Lou Fisto, she was the female deathmatch wrestler. When you think of IWA Mid-South, you think of Mickey Knuckles, and again, IWA Mid-South had that really awesome streak period for a couple of years in the uh, uh, the 2000s, and Mickey Knuckles was right there having big, strong style, slug, you know, slug out uh, brawls with all kinds of guys. Um, I think Mickey Knuckles should be right in there with it, yeah. And, and, and obviously, again... Her career was cut short big time by her horrible injury that she never came back from. Up until that injury, she was winning tournaments. She was getting big time intergender spots back in the, the days when it wasn't normal to see that type of stuff. She was going to debut with T, uh, TNA when she dove off a fucking concession stand to do a big boot and dislocated her hip. And she never really recovered from that, sadly. Oh, she, she broke her femur. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember. Her, I mean, her whole leg was like it was like taking a fucking backwards. action figure and turning the leg backwards. Yeah. Absolutely, it was like the Sid Vicious injury in WCW. Yeah, it was. She had to have steel steel uh, rods put into her leg and shit. It was uh, quite hellacious. Quite quite hellacious. So number 12, fourteen, 
his first year of eligibility, but a guy who already, I think, has a, a uh, Hall of Death uh, fame career and was voted in is uh, Masashi Takeda. You want to talk about Takeda? <laughs> first year Hall of Famer to me. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who... Um, I'll, I'll say one comment, which I've kind of said to a couple people here or there. I'm telling you now, because... I, you know, I'm, I'm in the groups, I'm on Facebook and this and that, and, you know, people are just, you know, they're going to be America focused because they can follow it better and they can relate better or whatever, you know what I mean? But obviously, uh, Kasai is a guy who breaks through and people know him and people, and, and then Kobayashi is a guy who breaks through and he's got a character and people can get into him. Takeda is a guy who he's broken through. He's in America a lot lately. He's got you know he had the incredible 2018 he's at that point and i keep trying to tell people look in 10 years we're gonna look back and be like holy fuck can you believe that we were able to witness a wrestler like this he is the deathmatch benoit i know kasai will always be i'm just telling you this as like a blunt fact Kasai will have the spot in everyone's hearts as the guy that they saw growing up in CZW and this and that. And he was the first kind of... he went, Someone made the point that Kasai may be the last VHS star where he became a star in the days of, of tape trading, you know? So Kasai right. will always have that special place in people's hearts. But I'm telling you now... How do I say this? Takeda has redefined deathmatch wrestling. He's taken all of the shit that Scotty Vortex and Danny Havoc and this guy and Drake Younger and that guy did and blah, 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 and he packaged it together into a style of doing death matches that probably shouldn't be done when you consider, again, he does this on like a nightly basis practically. But um, to me, first, first year Hall of Famer, he has every vote in my world, and I think in... As the time goes on, I don't think how he's not going to be seen as the best ever in in the genre. I think if he retired today, I would argue he was the best ever. Um, I, I think he is a level above everyone else. Um, I don't think he should ever put anybody over. <laughs> he should be like the Bruiser Brody of death matches. Um, he's athletic. He has a five-star matches. I mean, how many amazing matches has he had in the last couple of years with Kodaka, with Ellis Cologne, you know, just uh, with Tanahashi, with just amazing fucking De- Miyamoto, amazing death matches. Uh, when is there a bad Decatur match? I haven't seen one. Yep. Uh, just an amazing worker, um, strong style in the ring, hybrid wrestler. Uh, look at his body already. I mean, it just the scarification on him is just the only one I can think of that's up there in that level is Kasai. Mm. I mean, the scarification is just insane. Uh, huge all over. Had a great breakout weekend mania, you know, to, with the uh, blood sport. And then with the match with Jimmy Lloyd. Yeah, I, I think he's a guy who should do the Bruiser Brody kind of gimmick. And I wish he was still champion. Um, I know they say there's no one left, but I just think he was that good. Uh, I mean, you know, I agree. I, just, I mean, ever since he lost those belts, the companies that he, you know, those two companies are just kind of like stuck in place yeah. with nothing going on. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have. I think they're both stupid. I kept the belt on. I would have did a three or four year run, built them up just because he's that good. Yeah. And who says you can't? Pro wrestling for 70 years did these champions with these amazing runs. We don't have them anymore. Maybe it's time for someone to do that. 
to do the four-year title run. Because you know what? When they did those, they were pretty damn successful. Yep. Now we have this shit where you can watch a show and there's six title changes, you know. DJ Hyde, CZW. Just, Only three, Just tarnishes these titles. Well, close enough. And uh, here's the thing is, how much prestige does it make your title when someone is a champion for two or three years? Do you, you know, say, oh, Jacqueline, I remember that run. Can you can you tell me any of the last 15 CZW title runs? Have you all happened in the last year and a half? I can only because there's a joke at the end of every one of them. I can't really. I, I probably could, but I can tell you about Masada's 400 days or Drake yep. Younger's 500 days. I can yep. tell you about those runs. I can tell you about the Messiah's year run or Ruckus's year and a half run. I can talk about those. I'll be able to tell I you about Gage's 600 day run when it's over. Yeah. 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 I, I can tell you, I can't tell you about Anthony Green's 15 minute run or David Starr's 22 minute run. Or, no offense to the guy, or Black G's, or any of the other guys who just kind of found themselves with the title. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that title used to mean something. Now we wonder why it doesn't. Well, because of the way we choose to defend it and do the multiple. Same way with the WWE title. I mean, everybody remembers Bruno San Martino's 10 years, or Hulk Hogan's 4 or 5 years. Now it's like fucking flip flopperoo. Oh, Although like, they have done some longer runs with like AJ Styles, but for a while there, it was flip flopperoo. Mm-hmm. You know, this month went to this guy, then it went to that guy, then it went to this. It loses its its prestige, and, and people can't get behind. You get behind someone when they're champion for a long time, and you want to watch it because hey, maybe he'll lose it tonight. Then he doesn't. I mean, Darn it! Well, maybe he will next time. They you, had you me. get behind. Well, I was just telling, you know, I was telling someone, they were like, oh, are you going to go to these shows? Because in May, there's some shows, and I'm off work. And I was like, no, I'm going to save money. And they were like, what? I thought you were super fan number one. And I was like, Takeda holding those titles, man. Like, you knew that every show was going to be part of something. Like, I felt like I, I watched him win the Freedoms title. I watched him win the Big Japan title. I saw a bunch of, you know, I saw a bunch of his fucking title matches, and I yeah. felt like it was like, this is something special. Sure. Let me, let me put that in retrospect. Uh, the last two B- Freedom's titles, Kasai Fukimoto, now we have Kasai and Fujita. I could care less. Uh, the BJW title hasn't been defended since the end of January, or middle of February, because of the tournament. I've lost focus in that. That's... Am I excited about Kodaka and Takanahashi? No. I saw that in, in February. Nope. Yep. I want to see Takeda still defending the title. That had my interest. These other things, like the Freedom title now, I feel is putting on Kasai was a mistake, and the matches they're putting Kasai in with are just terrible choices. Yeah. Well, it's like, what can they really do? I mean, it's just, I don't like to argue what can't be fixed. It's just what Freedoms is. And... And people were following it, too. You know, oh, Takeda, the double champion. Here he is with both belts. It built it up. I mean, shit, dude. Their attendance for last year is way better than the attendance they got going into this year. I mean, the yeah. past couple shows they've done at Kirk and all. Anyway, you know, just that shit drew, man. Back-to-back sellouts of Kirk and Hall with deathmatch main events in two different companies. Look at Ido. Ido's one run where it was like 600, 700 days. Yeah. Right? People were built into that, right? You remember that, don't you? I do. Legendary, absolutely. Yeah, legendary. 
I, I won't remember Jun Kasai's run where he defended against a couple guys and lost it, or when they do multiple title changes. That just doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I would have kept the belt on Takeda for years. I mean, is there anybody better? No. Not for, right now. For any talent listening, um, I just want to say, I mean, if you follow him, you know, I was just kind of talking to someone, and they're like, look, you suck that guy's dick too hard. And I'm like, you show me another wrestler that has the schedule he's got, that wrestles the style he's got. He does fucking yoga an hour every day. He does fucking BJJ training two hours every day, including in America when he flies over. He's like, I got to get to a gym. You can't stop me. He, he, he's just so intense and so focused. And somehow he finds the time to uh, work in a restaurant on Mondays but um, <laughs> and keep owls as pets. You know, it's just he like, and he's only been wrestling for twelve years. Like in theory, we got another ten to twelve years of this, and it, it, I don't know what to say, man. Takeda's a beast. It's gonna be a long time before hey. anybody else like him comes along. Yep. Stop. Um, I'm sorry. Not oh, you. Okay. My my co-host Charles the cat has jumped up here, so I'll You're tell him to get out. Man, my... I didn't know that. This changes everything. Does it? Yeah, I don't think we can do this anymore. Oh, well, okay. I'm not a cat man, but my children are. I'm a dog man. Okay, much better. I have a bunch of German Shepherds. I actually have a kennel and I sell them. Cool. I have uh, my, my two original Shepherds are imported from Germany, but I have little children that like kitties. Awesome. So, yes. But he's up here now, my nemesis. <laughs> Get away. So he even likes Takeda. He's shaking his head. He yeah. agrees. He says Takeda, number one. So, number 15, uh, low-life Louis Ramos. Um, you know, Louis's been around for years. He's done death matches in Jersey All-Pro. He's done death matches in USA Pro Wrestling. Uh, he's a guy who's been on the scene forever. He's done some cool stuff with H2O. Um, you know, OPW. Uh, he's just a longevity. You know, he was a homicide student from way back. Uh, he's in wars with Abdullah the Butcher and Terry Funk. They're great runs in JAPW, Jersey Pro early on when they were doing the crazy stuff. You know, he's, he put a cup of coffee here. He did some stuff in CZW, a few matches. A few matches in IWA, Mid-South. He had to run the one year, made the semifinals. Uh, really good guy. Very involved behind the scenes. Did a lot of announcing for GCW. Just a good guy around and, you know, deserves to uh, have some credit for and the fans voted him in. So it's cool to see Low Life Louie. Um, I know mostly through JAPW. I'll be honest, most of what he did came when I wasn't watching wrestling. Um, I mostly know him as a GCW commentator, but super nice dude. I was able to meet his family. Awesome people. Big thumbs up. Absolutely. Uh, next is international superstar out of Mexico. Uh, huge to bar in Japan. He's had some matches in the U.S. that are really good, but not an amazing impact over here as much. Violento Jack. Definitely a, a deserving guy. I know he did Mexican scene with DTU early on, did some amazing stuff from the sequel play. Then he's had a great run of Freedom, Jews are champion. He's, he's still over there. Uh, just an amazing talent, a great deathmatch worker, a big broken hull, just an amazing wrestler. Um, you know, he takes himself seriously. The few times I've met him, he takes himself very seriously. You know, he's a guy that if you wanted... You know, if you wanted to end the Takeda reign, I would have put it back on Jack now that we're talking about yeah. that. But, um, yeah, um, we there was a, a thread on one of the Facebook groups where they were like, is Jack the best Mexican deathmatch wrestler ever? And we can say, 
well, back in the day, Damien did some barbed wire cage matches, and this guy's coming back, and you got that guy who kind of did some light dude stuff here and there, and you got the Zona 23 guys. No. Is Jack the greatest, most prolific, has the best title runs, has the best matches, has the best career? Is Jack the best Mexican deathmatch wrestler ever? I think he is. Right now, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh I yeah. don't know the exposure sequel play or Medea will get. Very true, yeah. Down the road, there could be a change because sequel play had an amazing run in America. And Medeo, you know, obviously had a great run in Japan. So down the road, I don't know. There's some competition for him. But right now, yeah, I would say Jack is the best uh, Mexican deathmatch wrestler. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. I, I think if the if they were still in GCW and they kept the free, I, I, I think that those two two dudes would just have a bigger profile. But um, even with that said, yeah, um, you know, with the career he's had, you know, I've had some people ask me, like, why does Freedoms rely so heavily on Jack? You know, like, he's, he's like, a two-time champion. He's always in, like, the upper main cards. He's... He's living there. Like, he's full-blown in in uh, the Japanese environment. He doesn't wrestle in Mexico anymore. He's committed completely. And I was just kind of explaining to people, I'm like, he's there. He's reliable. He shows up. Above and he beyond all that, matches. they watched him wrestle. He puts on great matches. Exactly. He puts on great <laughs> matches. Night in, night out. Um, he's never been injured in a big way, and he's taken some crazy shit in, you know, through the years. He's taken yeah. some crazy shit. Um, I think, yeah, I think Violento Jack is a absolute legend in the making. Absolutely. My last induction, um, guy who wrestled out of Canada, was IWS from the beginning, golden runs there, made a huge impact in CZW, uh, you know, TOD3 was supposed to have been in the main event, but he cut that artery and started drinking his blood. Uh, had a great runs in CZW after that with Team Cash. Different runs in there. You know, had a couple matches in GCW. Guy who's super popular. The original Dick and Mick guy, but I don't know. He did it in a good way. I kind of think Joey Ryan fucking did it in a shitty way and robbed him. But, uh, you know, Sexy Eddie. Um, we've Your talked about, yeah, Eddie. we've talked about him quite a bit. You know, he's a guy, Zandig had a really good quote about him where he said, um, he did the death match too hard, too early. And then he pulled back because he did get injured so many times, you know, um, last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, how the TOD three incident led to the careers of Kevin Steen and all of those types of guys and everything. So he's got a huge place as far as prolific death matches. He was around with um, what's that guy's name? Th- uh, Thumbtack Jack. So he was in 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 that crew. Him and Drake Younger and all of those types of guys. But yeah, he was a guy that had like this heavy, wicked year and a half or two years, and then he kind of peeled back and slid back into what he's doing now, which he does a lot of comedy, but he also he still does a lot of brawling and hardcore. But no matter what, because of IWS, I mean, he's a very big central point of a lot of indie wrestling in Canada. Over the Mania weekend, he was all over those shows. Um, he's a character, man. He's a crazy dude to meet in person. He's really wild, dude. He he just had a crazy death match, IWS uh, unsanctioned. They sold out a 1,200-seat uh, concert arena. Place is fucking packed. Uh, four-way with him, Arthur. Green Phantom and many that was absolutely nuts. 
Um, they're still so over in Montreal. Like you said, you're thinking around 2007, 2008, that run. If you go back and you're a diehard IWS fan like me, he, he had a run from 2000 to 2008 because they were doing ridiculous death matches in IWS. He was always in the main event with the Hardcore Ninjas, the Green Phantom, PCP Manny, the Arsenal early on face to death. Um, he was in there with these guys. And uh, so many people don't know that and weren't exposed to that. But I used to go up to the shows at the Scratch and Melody. And uh, for me, you know, his run was like a 10-year run because I saw so much of that. But I understand your aspect because he wasn't really over here as much. And uh, But uh, definitely, uh, I think he's a worthy guy. And, uh, you know, he won a Carnage Cup. He defeated Thumbtack Jack. Uh, Drake Younger, Danny Havoc, and the night, uh, good run there. He would have been in the finals with DOD3 with Necro and Wife Beater. Imagine a change in that match. But, uh, you know, cut that artery. Crazy shit. But, like you said, with bumps, those fucking garbage can bumps and injury wise. And just, uh, you know, he did stuff in Jersey All Pro and, and CZW. He was a stable there for a while. Uh, yeah, you know, I think he's a deserving guy. Um, I, I think he, he's, you know, I can think of a lot of enjoyable moments and, you know, he loved his gimmick, but he did a lot of crazy shit too. A heat man. I mean, I met him for three minutes and he came off like the fucking craziest dude in the world. Like he, he sounds like a wild, wild dude, man, for sure. We, we just did an interview with him and uh, I can't wait for it to get released because we pretty much did it in gimmick. So mm-hmm. it's one of the funniest interviews I ever did. And, uh, when you're done with this Gonorrhea Donkey is going to be a huge star. And Monkey Dick James makes his way into it, but Gonorrhea Donkey. We, we were, had so much fun with Eddie in this interview. It was just, uh, he just did it totally in sexy Eddie character. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a really cool interview, and it was really funny. So it's a lot of fun with people here when it comes out. Uh, we talked about Mexican Donkey shows, and I don't even know. So much crazy shit. So much crazy shit with Eddie. Awesome, dude. Um, well, that is your 2019 Deathmatch Hall of Fame class, right? Uh, that's the Deathmatch Call of Death, yep. Then on May 11th, uh, we will be having an induction show, so I'll be doing like a podcast. Maybe it'll be live and might have some surprises there, too. We'll see. I'm working on some things. So that's our, our third class, and I definitely think it's a lot of uh, a talented, uh, worthy people. People voted, and then uh, we do a two-parter now. We have, like, the people's vote and then the like the board vote, and uh, definitely uh, a lot of talented guys. And, you know, Matt Tremont right at the top of the list. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, okie dokes, that's about all that's going on. Um, thank you guys for listening. When we started the Hall of Fame, you said, just give me 10 minutes to go over the Hall of Fame here. So that was about an hour ago. But um, thank you. Know, <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to be rolling to bed. I want to get up bright and early to watch this GCW uh, Philly show. So um, that'll be fun. And that's about all I got going on. Once again, I'm going to give Mike the final word. But if you feel that we kind of contributed to your day and made a drive to work a little easier, think about ch- uh, throwing us a couple dollars over at patreon.com slash deathmatchnews. And that's all I got. Mike, what's the final word? Uh, uh, well, one quick thing. I think if you go to bed early and wake up to watch the GCW show, you'll be a day early. Because today's Thursday over here. Dude, the show is on Thursday. This blew me away as well, Mike. Is it a Thursday show? You sure? Motherfucker, look it up, dude. I was shocked as well. Motherfucker, look it up. That's- <laughs>
<laughs> motherfucker looking up. Well, motherfucker is looking it up right now, and you're probably right. And, uh, Dude, that's yeah, how serious. No, because someone told me, like, oh, are you Oh, are you going to watch a show? I'm like, uh, I got work when it's going on. They're like, no, it's going to be your morning on Friday. I'm like, what? They're doing a Thursday night show? But, yeah, it's a Thursday night you're right. show. Wow, I guess I'd have been fucking lost when I went to look for it tomorrow night. Motherfucker, look that shit up, man. I guess I, uh, I guess I'd be watching some uh, GCW tonight, and then next weekend you got a doubleheader. Yeah. Yeah. So, and those I won't be able to watch live, but I will be able to watch the Voltage Show live. So that's exciting. Absolutely. So, um, okie dokie. So, okay. So yeah, I'm gonna be watching um, Crime Wave. I'm, I'm excited. So that's it. Absolutely. Oh, my God.